Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with. Super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it, and I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good, um, and it's good for you, so remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible, just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer, and he had, he had those every single day. He said it's, it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash OLLC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meat, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. And get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash OLOC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go to liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Stay hydrated. You know h tool saves lives. <clears throat> check, check, check. Check, check, check. Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I have a very, very, very old friend of mine from many, many moons ago. Probably, I want to say, before even 
started really officially like having groups and touring and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my man, Mr. John Sabak Fuentes. Can I call you that? Is yeah, that you can call me that. Sabak Red? Yes, I always sir. used to call you Sabak. I never called you Sabak Red, but I realized that's your... Is the rap name? Yeah, that's the rap name. That's the <laughs> rap name. You know what's funny is there are some people that don't even call me John. They call me Fuentes. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay, Fuentes. Fuentes. I'm like okay. And then I, so now it's crazy. Like I love the podcast because obviously we know each other for a long time. But then when you actually like do a deep dive on something, like oh my god, really? Like I didn't realize that you were born in Puerto Rico. Yeah, I was born in Guaynabo, Puerto Rico. Yeah, I'm, I was hoping you pronounced that, not me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It became actually famous for the good old uh, Donald Dump, Donald Trump, uh, throwing paper towels. If you remember, he was throwing them out. It was all over the news oh, when they had the right. major. That's what that was? Yeah, that's, that was in Guaynabo. Wow. Yeah, yeah I was born in Guaynabo. Um, but you weren't there that long either, were you? I was only there for a short period of time. My yeah. mom um, you know, went to Puerto Rico um, and on a vacation, met my dad, fell in love, and then uh, went there and then had my sister and I. Yeah, you guys have, tw- have, I, twin I have a twin sister. I didn't realize you had a twin sister either. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 Wow. So born in Puerto Rico and uh, and then we migrated out to Brooklyn, New York. Yeah. Why, why Brooklyn? Uh, that's why my grandmother, who's Sicilian. Yeah. That's where she was. My aunt. Um, you know, most of my family. Italian in, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, it's hard. Sicilian in Brooklyn, hardcore. Growing up in, <laughs> in, in the 70s, 80s. Yeah. Yeah. 90s i mean on the same block right so anything yeah. that you would see stereotypically on the movie of like a block with Bronx like tail th- yeah like the antlers down the block the fire hydrants loud stick ball like hey you know bicycle riding stoop ball wiffle ball that's how i grew up i remember my grandmother would like we'd be out like late night in the summertime and my grandmother would like make pasta olio, which is like spaghetti garlic and olive oil like a huge <laughs> pot and bring out paper plates and everyone would eat you know yeah yeah that's how I grew up. I know, like the hallways smelling like food, or the hallways, the apartment buildings, stuff Heck like that. Like, yeah. Just like the movies. Exactly, exactly. And so what, was your sister in the same stuff you were growing up? Yeah, she actually was. Um, you know, what's funny is growing up, we were kind of the same size. Like, I'm not necessarily the most, you know, tallest person <laughs> yeah. in the world. Um, because I had to share a lot of, like, the nutrients in my mm. mom's womb, right? You got to share as a twin. That's a good point. Right? So, um, so actually, at some point, we actually saved up money to buy our first pair of shell toe Adidas. So we would share that they were a little tighter on me but they yeah. fit and i remember and we would we would be boy and be girl together we would uh wrestle we were both into wrestling she wow. would be, she would be super fly jimmy snooker i would be like <laughs> bob backlin or tito santana <laughs> i am mike sharp we jump off the dresser my mom would lose it because my mom raised us by herself i never really knew my dad mm. i met him later on in 2001 when i went to puerto rico to do like a journey to, to meet him for the first time oh wow um, but he came to new york with you no, no. Uh, okay, he came. Okay. He came for a short period of time because I remember yeah. seeing pictures, but he didn't live with us. So I didn't. You know, fatherhood for me was like you know I didn't have a blueprint. You know, mm. I had my uncle Joe who was there, took me to Yankee games, and you know I had some mentors, but I didn't grow up with a dad. Wow. So yeah. So that was yeah. So my sister was into similar things, and then eventually we reared off, and I did my own thing, and she did hers. But we would break dance and go wake up in the morning, look for cardboard boxes. and But super young too, like maybe 12 years old or something? Yeah, yeah. Around. What was your exposure to that just where you were growing up? Exposure to... To hip-hop and uh, the culture and all that, graffiti absolutely. and all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was very it was very interesting because you hear like IROX or uh, Cutlass Supremes I pumping rocks. out like pump Public Enemy and Run DMC and around that. T- even at school, right, I had some really, really great friends, Keith and Kevin, right, okay. who were twins, and then Derek and Eric. Who were twins? What? Derek and Eric grew up in Marlboro <laughs> houses, and Keith and Kevin grew up in Coney Island. Keith and, and Karen, 
Keith and Kevin, Kevin Derek, Derek and Eric. Eric. Yes. And, and then uh, they eventually, you know, Kevin and myself ended up being in a group together called Pieces of the Puzzle back when I first started, you know, uh, messing with MC Search back then, which we'll get into yeah. in a little bit as a journey. But they, yeah. were, they we were all sets of twins, which was crazy. Was so crazy into the same shit. Absolutely. And we went to PS97. And uh, uh, elementary school in Brooklyn, in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. I grew up in Gravesend, which kind of neighbors Bensonhurst and then and Coney, Coney Island. Island. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then Marlboro House. It's just one of the largest housing projects in Brooklyn was right there. Yeah. And um, so we would, they would rap. They would MC, And then I started doing it. And then, you know, freestyling. And I wrote some lyrics and tried to battle. And it was, it was okay. Not until I got into middle school yeah. was I really able to start like, you know, battling and feeling like I can hold my own. But they, they were the ones who really encouraged me. Yeah. And, and it was dope. What was your influence? Was Run DMC a big influence back then? Huge, huge influence. Obviously the show. Run goes, DMC, yeah. the Fat Boys, you know. Yeah. And and I remember years later, we'll get into it, we had a chance, not fiction. My group had a chance to uh, open up for Run DMC. Yeah, I have at, it in my notes. That's at cool. Tramps. Oh, yeah, we'll amazing. get into that. That's so cool, though. I thought about that, too. Like, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Do you want to hear a funny story? Tell, tell tell yeah. I'm thinking about uh, my elementary school, and I, I, I might have mentioned this before, but here's a, I think you'll appreciate this. In elementary school... Right. So Maceo from De La Soul went to my elementary school. He was older than awesome. I was. But his brother, Anthony Mason, was in my class. Okay. And we had a breakdancing crew called the Automatic Breakers. Sick. And something people often don't believe me, not until I saw Maceo in the city one time with my, my, my brother, uh, D.B. Elias Christ. Yeah. They were, they were together. Did I say, Maceo? I said, do you remember when Kiss came and performed the PS97? He said, what? I tell that story, no one believes me. I was like, thank goodness, unless you went to that school. So Gene wow. Simmons was like dating like the secretary of PS97 <laughs> and came up. I'm talking the that boots, is... the blood out of the tongue, the whole nine. Kiss came to perform. For his lady, at basically. My <laughs> elementary school, dude. That's it insane. was insane. That's probably scary, too. That's intense, man. Oh, I, had I have reoccurring nightmares, but I don't call them nightmares anymore because I would think it's special. I'm like, oh, that's a dream. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. sick. Anyway, that's PS97. That's incredible. Like, just on the strength of like, his love interest, like, oh, oh maybe she's like, come, we should come to school and see the kids. Yeah, scare the shit out of, like, you know, wow. elementary school kids. That's an insane moment. Mm -hmm. What year was that? That was so. That's in the seventies, like seventy-seven, seventy-eight. Yeah, exactly. Were you into Shout rock to music the, too back then, anything like that, or no? You know, a little bit of rock. I had friends who were listening to like Metallica and Made It, and I remember the Eddie posters in some of my yeah. friends' like rooms and things like that. But I was mostly listening to like what was on the radio, mm -hmm. you know, and my mom had records, but the records she had would be like Frank Sinatra, D Martin rack pack type things and dot and Della Italian records. But I grew yeah. up listening to, you know, Madonna, Cindy Lauper, yeah. like a lot of pop music, Michael Jackson, mm -hmm. um, et cetera. And then some exposure to rock I, I got into from friends who were listening to it. Yeah. Some of them had garage bands. Those who actually didn't live in the apartments but lived in houses had garage bands and they play and rock out. Yeah. So I was supposed, but I didn't really get into it as much. Yeah. Yeah. But so you're battling, you're breakdancing, you're doing graffiti. Yeah. You're graffiti in too, right? I did, but I was terrible. What was your name? What was your tag? Sabak. Okay. Yep. Sabak. Gotcha. And where does that come from? It comes from like, you know, back when you indulge and you want to smoke a little bit, you know, it's like, let's go smoke a blunt and chill. Oh, it's like cold word. I never like knew word. that. Oh, hey, let's shit. go smoke a blunt and chill. I'm like, hey, wow, you know, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Philly's blunt. Yeah, exactly. And then it meant like, you know, <laughs> stop all bullshit and chill. Mm. At one point, it meant stop appointing Bush and Cheney back in that era. <laughs> it, it, flip it to everything. It's, yeah, it flipped into everything. And then, you know, wow. it's crazy. Not until about maybe, and I should have known this, but not until like maybe 10, 11 years ago. 
I found out Sabak is someplace in like Serbia. Really? Like if you just Google Sabak without putting the red, it's like a, sp- a, sp- a place in Serbia somewhere. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's crazy. I never knew that too. Yeah. You ever been to Serbia? No, never. Never. I've been there either, actually. I think I found out when I was trying to set up a MySpace page. And actually, <laughs> I was on tour. I don't remember what DJ Retmatic helped me set up my MySpace page. Mm-hmm. We were on some tour. I don't remember what it was. MySpace. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. So it was more, more than 11 <laughs> years ago. I was like, Sabakis? In Serbia? What? That's crazy. Yeah, it was wild. And so and so, how were you in school? Like, what, what did you want to do? Like, what were your goals? Do you have any goals then? Yeah, I wanted to be a second baseman for the New York Yankees. Wow. Willie Randolph was like my my hero. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that that's <laughs> you know that's that's what I wanted to do. And uh, I remember um, maybe ninth grade freshman year. I remember this this guy on my block's name was Michael Buckner. I remember he was older than us, and he was like, "Hey, John, let's go. I need some help with work today." He had a van and would like do deliveries of before Amazon, but like for some companies mm. like that. So I cut class and went, and turns out like he went through one of the barricades that they have at the school, the the horse, like they call the blue horses, like you know the police lines. Yeah. So they put an APB on the van, and they pulled oh. us over, and they took me and him in to the precinct. Right. What? Yeah, it's crazy. The sixty second precinct. And uh, what school do you go to? I lost. I had to call my mom, and they called my baseball coach, uh, Joe Gambuza, Mr. Gambuza, and. Uh, he said, listen, you can't do this. I'm going to vouch for this kid. He's a good kid. Poor choices. Let's get him back. And I started fa- failing. I was listening, like, licensed to ill around that time. And, like, just <laughs> doing, you know, freshman stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember I had to make up some credits because I couldn't play baseball without it. And he said, well, you need to take some electives. So what else do you do? I said, well, I break dance. He was like, there's a, there's a dance class we have. Mm. Teaches Miss Colasanto. Go to speak to Miss Colasanto and... Tell her that I sent you and that you need to take this class because you need to make a class or else you're not playing second base. Wow. So I went and did it. And Miss Colasanto, shout out to her. She said, well, what kind of dancing do you do? I said, well, I do break dance. She goes, that's great. But I'm also going to challenge you. And you're going to do Alvin Ailey Revelations. And I'm going to introduce you to Martha Graham. And I'm going to introduce you to other forms of dance. Wow. So I started learning the choreography for that as well. And they also gave me the opportunity to do my B-boys. But not just B-boy, but also hip-hop dancing. Like, yeah. I was doing, like, uh, Greg Nice dances, you know? Like, you know. <laughs> kid and kid play. And play. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that actually helped save me. And, you wow. know, that helped actually steer me. Eventually, Miss Colasanto, she believed in my talent and stuff and said, hey, there's an audition for this group out in Jamaica, Queens. Uh, a friend of mine named Chris Curry, who is a manager and managing groups out of Jamaica, Queens, um, go audition. And I remember I let my mom know when we got on the train from Coney Island, went all the way to Jamaica, Queens, last stop, Merrick Boulevard, Archer Boulevard, and our audition ended up getting it. Right. Wow. And this was crazy because this was a group of it was like a mini Gladys Knight in the pips. Right. Yeah. And I was the the only white passing person. I'm Puerto Rican ceiling, so the white passing yeah. in the group. And I was the rapper of the group. Wow. And, and it was uh, a girl named Tamiko who was the lead singer. And then my boy Cedric, shout out to Cedric Lochner, who was uh, a singer. And then we had a couple of other um, singers in the group. Long story short, we ended up like doing shows all around like the Ark in Brooklyn and Jamaica, wow, Queens. We what ended was it up called? Focus. Focus, okay. There was like a show called Big Break that Natalie Cole hosted out here in L.A. They flew us out to L.A. to do Damn. some stuff. And like we were doing parodies and we were on TV on CBS. I think the show came on and wow. it was kind of crazy. And then a uh, crazy part, too. We actually performed that Mark Jackson, who uh-huh. played for the New York Knicks at that time. Oh, wow. His wife is Desiree Coleman. She was an R&B singer. 
and our manager was the same manager. So we performed at like Mark Jackson's wedding, the reception wow. in like Jamaica, Queens That's at, incredible, at, at the pyramid uh, mysteries. It turned into, it's called mysteries. It was a venue in Jamaica, Queens sitting wow. like my mom and I, my mom took me she's sitting like right across from Patty LaBelle. It was crazy. So there's like all this history that I have that not many people know of, but wow. yeah. So it was, a, it was a lot of that, but that stuff saved my life, man. Why? Because you could have been in the streets falling out too, right? Yeah. I could have been. I mean, that was the era, Toby, where like, you know, even in my neighborhood, you know, oftentimes when you think about, you know, the drug, crack cocaine in the 80s yep. and things like that, it's like, oh, you know, it doesn't happen in these particular neighborhoods. And it was. It was mm -hmm. more undercover, you know? Yeah. So it could have gone either way. But, I, you know, I had a really supportive family and friends and definitely the teachers and mentors in my life. That allowed that kind of process. Yeah, the fact you remember all their names, everything says a lot about them. You know, what huge, I mean? huge. And so, yeah. So you want to do baseball, but how quick did that change to music? Like before you graduated? Yeah, that, that was great. So I continued. I finished my JV varsity. Yeah. I didn't even try out for varsity because I was so deep into the music at that point. I had auditioned for the group, and now we started doing shows, and yeah. we were opening up for like Keith Sweat, Ray Goodman, and Brown, and like. Crazy if, you, if people are familiar I'm not sure But there was a group Called the Poindexter Brothers Who wrote It's a thin line Between love and hate They're the original writers Wow It's a thin line Right yeah. They were our vocal coaches And like we're Jesus, doing shows from, So we started doing this stuff And I was And you're making money too And we're making some money Right yeah. We did the Apollo Theater And it was like You know And I got all these VHS tapes That I need to transfer digitally sure, It's crazy dude, It's awesome Um yeah, I'm actually, I was inspired by Kid 90, by Salem Moon Fry, because I've got all this footage, because I was the one who always carried my camera around, and I got yeah, a stockpile that I got. She inspired me on that. It's an incredible documentary, by the way. Yeah, yeah it's so good, that Dude. documentary. She's incredible. Beautiful, man. Yeah. All the people in there, I'm sure you got crazy footage. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I got a lot of footage, and uh, but at that point, I started really delving into music more and more and more. And then, uh, were you writing a lot? I was writing, yep. I was writing, because again, even though we were getting, we, we getting produced songs by... Uh, Full Force, if you're familiar, Bowleg, yeah, yeah, yeah. full, full, crazy. We were in, actually we were in Battery Studios and and like Tribe Called Quest was recording their their first I album. I see pictures you back yeah, there. There you go, guys. there yeah, you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. it looks like a flat top. And yeah. Out. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were in Battery Studios, <laughs> you know. Wow. So we were in, uh, when you saw that picture, we yeah. were there in Q-Tip and Fife, and then we're in the studio in the in the room next door, Battery Studios. Were you a big fan at the time too. Huge, absolutely. Yeah. El Segundo was the only thing that was out at that time, and wow. I just remember loving it, you know. Um, and hearing like Q-Tip on Red Alerts, you know, promo and it was mm -hmm. just, it was incredible. Um, so yeah, so I just kept doing that. And then after high school, I went to, you know, junior college for like a short time and I was like, you know, I'm not really into, it. I don't know what I want to do. Yeah, what was your major there? Your major? I was just, just liberal studies, just taking classes. Yeah. So then I transferred cause my mom was like, go to school, you know, et cetera. So I went to a recording engineering school Yeah, that's right. and that's what I ended up doing. And, and I went to, uh, to IAR right over there by NYU yep. or right there on university place. And I got an internship at the new music seminar. Yep. And that's when I started working at the new music nights department of the new music seminar, which was up in Tommy boy records. Yep. And I remember that was the year that house of pain had their first album, naughty Damn. by nature, arrested development. Cause I, I would get this. The, 92. The cassettes. I think. Yeah. 92. I, yeah. I would get the cassettes and me and this woman, Melanie, who was at the time. And I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember, but Melanie was dope. She had locks and she was in A&R <laughs> and she was like, you know, John, come in. So I was, I mean, I was hype stuffing envelopes and getting these, these advanced tapes yeah. and then setting up and stuffing the lanyards for people's like night festival. Right. So doing all that stuff wow. and, um, and you know, seeing Dayla walking in cause they were Tommy boy, et cetera. Um, and then going into the, 
getting all the free passes for the night festivals, the New Music Nights. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that was pretty dope. That's actually the, one of the first times I met MC Search. Um, so that was also a good trajectory. So it's almost like this non-coincidental like trajectory of yeah. things that were happening t- to me and for me that I was like, this feels this feels right. So I was just following my heart. Yeah, and, w- and you worked at Wild Pitch too. W- was that a subsidiary of a major label? What was Wild Pitch? Wild Pitch was a label. It was a, it okay. was a, a label. I don't remember it was who distributed it. No? It was somewhat independent. Yeah, they yeah. had they had major distribution, but Wild Pitch, that was not until like 1994. That was um, later on. Okay, okay Yeah, that okay, was yeah. later on in 1994. Because we worked together before 94, or we did work in 94. Because you had the advanced cassette of Illmatic. Correct. I had the advanced. Woo. Yep, yep, yep. I would bring it to Nana and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the what show. years was that? That was ninety three. Okay, or so. that's right. I started working at Nana around the same time that I was also doing some internship at the New Music Seminar. Like I was yes. multitasking because the other important part of the story is uh, City Kids Foundation. Was that in there or between? Is that before Nana or after Nana? There's right like on the cusp of the okay, towards, yeah, yeah. So the, inter- the City Kids Foundation was before Nana because the person who. Um, who was my mentor and one of the people who had me stay at City Kids was Malik Yoba. Malik Yoba, that's right. Right. So Malik New York PD was at New York. New York Undercover. Cool right. Runnings, New York Undercover. Yes. So Malik Yoba was the vice president of the City Kids Foundation. Got you. City Kids Foundation was a youth organization established in like 1985, 86. Okay. Um, Keith Herring designed their logo. Wow. They're actually having right now, Toby, right now for NFT Week in New York City, the Liberty Banner, which is like hanging in the Mar- Marriott Marquis okay. in, the, uh, in the atrium. Because Keith Herring did in 1986 called the Liberty Banner, yeah. where he had a whole bunch of kids like do the Statue of Liberty for the 100th anniversary and write names. And now they're going to create that. I'm sitting on the board of City Kids now. They just asked oh, me to be on the amazing, board. Man. Um, so but it's anyway, still it's, going. Yeah, it's yeah. still going. They're doing some great stuff. But that's a place that also helped really change, pivot, and save my you life. You too. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I went there as a youth. My boy, Jose Cruz. Shout out to Jose. He said, hey, I go to this organization. I had to do some community service. Yep. Right? So I went there and what I was went, that for just getting hopping, tra- train station stuff, you okay, know, okay. you know, typical New York stuff. Like, yeah, what, yeah, you yeah. Know, what do you do? Um, <laughs> so I'm like, OK, I'll go to a city kids with you. So I went and I went downstairs to the basement it was on 57 Leonard Street across the street from the knitting factory. If you remember the yeah, yeah. factory in, in the city. Great venue. And I remember going downstairs in the basement. I was like, what's this? You know, and it was a great space that they had. And in a circle was like 50 to 60 young people and young adults from the ages of like 12 to like 18 or so talking about racism and mm. i was like okay and then after they the discussion was happening they were unpacking all this concept of like how does racism how do you show up in the face of racism etc there was an incident yeah. that took place in the bronx that year where uh, a couple of white kids painted uh black kids face with shoe polish white so it was this whole thing going wow. on so they were discussing it and unpacking it and i was like this is kind of this is dope it feels good did you do a racism being puerto rican and italian too living in your neighborhood loving hip-hop was that yeah. a thing too? Oh man, yeah. I, I, lots of it. I was called the N lover by 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 some of the quote unquote Guidos in the neighborhood yeah. because I was listening to hip hop. Because when you said Irox playing Public Enemy, that itself is crazy because that isn't the typical music would come out of Irox. Stereotypical back then, but that shows you the how the impact of Public Enemy too, bringing different people. You even said this to me, like from different neighborhoods together. Absolutely, it's definitely the migration. And I would, they, but they would call me, oh, here comes Al Sharpton, here comes you know Martin Luther King, because I wouldn't hold back. I would tell like people that i would hang out with like dude you can't say that like that's like i was like how are you going to say that when you're pumping public enemy who's like talking about like injustice social justice and all of that 
And I didn't necessarily have all that language at that time, but I was saying, you know, hey, dude, you can't. And they're like, oh, here comes Malcolm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I still, I still held my own. Yeah. Lots of teachable moments. And actually, you know, Yusuf Hawkins was a big pivoting time too. Yusuf Hawkins got murdered in Bensonhurst, right? Yeah. And I remember that happened and my English teacher, John Reale, asked us to write an essay and I ended up writing a rap and it won first place in New York City. Oh, wow. It was called Racial Prejudice Affects Us All. I got an Amazing. award from the Brooklyn Borough President. That was actually Toby a time where I realized I can use my voice other than I was writing like misogynistic lyrics. I was like, you know, battling, you know, yeah. bravado, like... You know, yeah, et cetera. And I was like, oh, wait, I can write this and be recognized for it and validated for it. So that was a big deal when Yusuf Hawkins got murdered. And I, it really impacted me. I remember watching news like, how could this be? Yeah. And how could this be? And he was murdered by people that I felt like, not that my, literally my friends, but they look like, yeah, like my friends that I hung out with, like Italians. And like, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh man, this doesn't it feel all, right. It yeah. was like, oh. So anyway, there was a lot of, a lot of, uh, so that was a hard year. But anyway, we did that and I realized I can use my voice for something else. And then City Kids helped continue nurture that. But yeah, when you talk about the work, it's like, I remember leaving that day. That, 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 just taking, I was ready to just leave. I did my day of community service, my few hours. And before I walked out the door, I heard, hey, yeah, wait, 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 yo, where are you going? Come here, come here. What's your name again? I said, John. He was like, well, what do you do? And this was Malik Yoba. He didn't let me leave the door because I was an unfamiliar face who came for the first time yeah, yeah, yeah. without really taking an interest of who are you. And That's he was amazing. like, and I told him what I do. And he was like, well, what are you doing tomorrow? It's Saturday. I was like, uh, nothing chilling. He was like, I want you here by 10 o'clock. We have a repertory company. I want you to see if you can pen some lyrics for a song we're going to do called what you're going to do about hate. And we got like this mural that we're going to do out in Harlem and et cetera. Wow. And I was like, whoa. And I came back. I didn't leave ever since. That is amazing. Like, it was like they had coalition meetings, trained me on facilitation, theater groups. That's where I met Dash, my brother from another mother. You know, I met Dash there and lots of other amazing, lots of talent and lots of really actually people you'll see on TV right now, artists and et cetera. Funny story is I did a play with Lauren Hill before she blew up with the Fugees. She was in a play called Hill the Rainbow in City Kids. So we would be practicing. She was part of City Kids. She was part of City Kids for a short minute for this play that we did called Hill the Rainbow. And I remember her freestyling. I was like, oh, look, you can rhyme. And she was like, oh, yeah. She was doing like uh, segments of All My Children at the time and uh, Sister Act 2. Wow. And then I remember we were working at Nana and we'll get to this, but <laughs> she came in with Proz and one of their stylists oh, and said, what's up? And gave me a hug and was like, I think she copped some Doc Martens or whatever Damn. for the video. It's said, come to the video, come, come through, blah, blah, blah. I didn't go, but I remember I was like, oh, she remember it was from the blended on reality. That, that project crap, right dude. there. So it was an amazing experience. That is insane, dude. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the timing everywhere you were too, like especially in New York at that Oh man. Especially hip hop back then, everything yeah. was coming out. Like yeah. there's such a, Amazing time to be there and be part yeah. of that. Yeah, it, it was seems incredible. like you absorbed it all. Like you took everything, you sponged it, like everything you like, and it saved your life. Like literally, kids, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I think all those, all those from from like my coach to the dance class to the group focus, right to city kids to to Nana to like non like all these moments. I I feel like is a continuation of therapy and healing, mm. right? Yeah. For whatever trauma vicariously or directly that I've experienced or whatever, yeah. you know, that's it's it's part of the, the journey, man. Yeah. So you had City Kids before Nana. City Kids before Nana and I told Malik I was looking for a job and he said, "Oh, I know this place called Nana." And then he, he was friends with Danica and them too. He was friends Christine. with Christine that's Christine right. Tabone. 
So he set up an interview. Shout out to Christine, Danica, Yolanda, Bonnie, the whole crew. Um, And uh, (laughs) that's crazy. Yeah, that was a crazy era. And I remember going for the interview and going up the round spiral staircase and sitting on an interview with Danica. The office was up top. The office was up top with the windows and doing interview and then got the phone call that, yeah, you know, you got the job. You worked there before I worked there, I think, right? I think think a little bit before you worked there. I got that job, man. That was like the... Best job I had was like for four years, it you know. Was great, me too. <laughs> and you know what's funny? As I would leave, and then I'm like, ah, oh, you know, as an artist, right? We leave, and yeah. then I'm like, eh, yeah, I need a job again. And you guys they looking take you for back? Help? Take you back? Like, oh, let's go. Yeah, I definitely remember Madonna coming in there. There was some crazy. It was all kinds of people coming to that yeah, spot, man. Yeah, because that at that time, like, it's kind of crazy because Doc Martens was usually the, it, it, it was in the punk world first, but then became in the hip hop too. I remember Onyx, everybody's wearing flight jackets, everybody's shaving their heads, they're wearing docks, like yes. all that crossover. And Doc Mons blew up, dude. It was yep. just like, everybody was rocking them. Yes. Yeah. We get to listen to everybody wanting there, you know, like lots of uh, yeah. everything. But you, yeah, you definitely rocked the Omatic cassette before it came out. Because I was getting, um, I was getting MC Search. Because mm. Search and I met at the New Music Nights. I didn't know him. And then we, uh, we met one time at one of the festivals. And I was like, what's up, Search, blah, 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 talking. And he wanted me to battle David. Faustino from you know but uh um what's his name Bundy, uh, Bundy uh, Bud Bundy, David Faustino was rapping back then. And oh, he from was the tip from the show. From the show, yeah. Oh, wow, I so didn't know he, that. He was ho- <laughs> he was hosting one of the events at the night that, that Search rhymed, was at. Holy shit. He rhymed and Search okay. was like, "You want to be down with me?" I was like, "Well, you know, I know you you have KMD. You mess with this one. Did that you like one. third base too at the time? I, yeah, of course. I, I was a big third base fan. And um, <laughs> and uh, he was like, "Then go battle Bud Bundy." I was like, "Done. Let's go." And he was like, nah, nah, you good, you good. I just wanted to see if you wanted to do it, if you would really do it. That's and he was sick. with, with uh, Sake Love at the time, too. And uh, yeah, and that's how I met him. But then he was like, okay, give me your number. And he never called me, right? I had mm-hmm. to meet him like five, four times after that before he finally gave me a callback search. Like I had wow. to meet him a bunch of times after that. We met in an audition once for a show called B-Boys that Russell <laughs> Simmons and Quincy Jones put together. Yeah. And um, I remember going in an audition with Onyx and... Uh, gro- chill from Groovy Chill. I remember in my audition they called me in, um, and there was one part for a kid named uh, DJ Twenty Twenty, and it was for this white looking white a white kid, and it was between me and MC Search. Wow. So I remember they called me in for a final kind of audition, and it was me, um, one of the UMCs. I don't remember which UMCs. MC it was. UMCs and Busta Rhymes and Busta Rhymes beatboxed for me while I was actually doing the rap in front of Russell Simmons videotape. Like Russell Simmons has footage, VHS like footage somewhere of me rapping with Busta Rhymes beatboxing and a kid from UMCs, the MC from UMCs. And he's in Leaders of the New School at that time, Leaders of the New School, exactly. And there was mad rappers going out there, Most Def, Onyx, and it came down to six people for the final audition. Yeah. And it was Most Def, who was, I remember his name was Dante, right? So it was Most Def, Yasmin Bey, right? It was uh, Fredro Starr. It was nice. Donald Faison, who actually ended up becoming friends with later on through City Kids, okay. who's on Clueless and and uh, you know Scrubs and all that. Ah, I know that guy. Yeah, that's and Dash was... and I. That's a boy okay. too. Um, MC Search and then Chill from Groovy Chill and me. And of course, who's producing it? Right, mm-hmm. Russell Simmons. It's, it's it's and Quincy Jones. Yeah, Search got the part. Right. And maybe he did better than me. I don't know. I like to, I like to think I kind of nailed it, but it's all good. And yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. Search is more famous than I was and probably rocked it, right? So he got the part, and that's when I saw him again. I was like, all right, peace. You know, I'll see you. Gave him my number. Didn't call me. Nothing. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> my boy M. Tried did a show in Brooklyn, New York, and Search was the main act, and M. Tried was opening up. And he was like, Bach, come through, you know, support me, get on stage freestyle. So I did. 
because that's my brother. And uh, we did it, and I freestyled, and then Search remembered me, and he was with DJ Clips and Riz. Clips. And Search afterwards, during his set, was like, freestyle, come on stage and freestyle. So I came on stage and freestyled, and then at the end of the show, told Eclipse, hey, Search wants to talk to you. He wants your number. I said, for what? I gave my number like four times already. <laughs> you know, he's not going to call me, so Search actually... Um, took my number and then called me. I was getting off the train coming from Nana actually. And I remember my mom said, Hey, some guy search called. He said, call him back. So I called him back and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? Coming off from work. I just got off the end train, you know, Kings highway. And he said, if you want to be down, come to the studio right now. I'm I'm like, in Long I keep Island. saying that. If you want to be down, okay, <laughs> come to Long Island. I said, what's the address? And yeah, I'm hungry, man. I'm like, yeah. this is MC Sir. He goes, yeah, I'm in, I'm in the studio with my artist, my new artist, OC. And I was like, Ooh, OC? Life. Ooh. Right? I was like, OC from Fudge Pudge? We're going to ask him. Yep. All wow. right, let's go. So I called my boy, Albie. Shout out to Albie. He's the only one I knew that had a car at that time. I was like, can you take me to Long Island? Let's go. It's 40 ounces or whatever, you know? Yeah. He was like, I'm driving, but, you know. So we went there, and they're searching the studio with OC, and OC was just like, shout out to OC. Incredible, man. Underrated. Uh, I mean, Word Life's incredible, incredible album front to back, and I don't, I don't hear his name get mentioned at all. Man. He's so brilliant, man. So yeah, brilliant. And that record, and then you know, times Listen up. Listen to that, Nana. Times up. Times Everything on the up. yeah, yeah. I remember the, I brought the stickers. Yeah, it's incredible. Shouts to Buck Wild. You, pro- I, I, I want to go on record saying that it was probably you that played that record for me. Yeah, that yeah. I heard that record from yeah. from you because you probably played it, Nana. Absolutely, I did because I would get. Thank the pro- you. I could, you're welcome. Absolutely, thank you, OC. I would get the promo copies and and uh, yeah, to die. The remix by DJ Eclipse is hard too. I don't know if you ever heard that. Okay, so, so that was so in Studio OC. OC. We get we me, my yeah. boy Albie, Search OC, some of his folks end up going into the booth and doing a chorus for one of the songs, and Dang. it was dope. And Search saw that I was committed, so from there, I told Search that I'm in a group called Pieces of the Puzzle with my boy, my boy Kevin Barnes, yeah, one of the twins. So he said, oh, I'll produce y'all. So we would go out to Cedarhurst, Long Island, on the Long Island Railroad, and write rhymes in the studio and search for it. Over. Like, listen, I got to bounce. I got I to gotta go to the studio. I, I, I got the rapping Nas. I was like, Nasty Nas. I was like, oh, okay. So he yeah. would go and leave and Is go check out Is that before Live Nas. at the Barbecue? That was right, same, Live at the Barbecue okay. app. So I knew and I was like, oh. And then I remember one time we were up in the, in the attic writing rhymes and Eclipse was living with Search at the time. So Eclipse was producing a lot of our, this is before nonfiction. This is just got me you. with, with uh, 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 Kevin Barnes. And he came with the represent. Wow! Like, like demo, and he's like, "I'm I'm playing it for you just because this is the greatest, incredible stuff I've ever heard in my life." I'm, and he plays it, and I'm just like, Damn. "Oh my god!" Tore up the whole like page of rhymes, threw it in the garbage. I'm like, "I got, I can't," you know. This it was just the one song represent he played for you. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Dude. It was like whoa. And then you know, eventually I helped out, got nasty stickers went to, you know I remember that. bombing them and bringing the advanced copy not the demos because I didn't have it, but the advanced like little promos back and then they would have promos I totally brought him to Nana played it for you guys and and word life the same thing word life word life is the reason why me and ill bill met bill saw me ill bill like he was working with his dad his dad spot called rugged and fat jeans over in Broadway where okay. the unique used to be I remember, I remember rugged, maybe rugged, probably, rugged yeah. jeans. Yeah. So I remember, and I went in there. I was like, "Hey, man, you know, you guys." I went in there shopping. After Nana, we get the checks. Yeah. Right. So I was doing multiple things, like interning at Wild Pitch, working at Nana, you know, City Kids. Yeah, I was hustling. Dang. And um, 
I remember going and seeing Blast. I said, hey, you, you, you play a lot of hip hop in here. Can you, you mind playing this? Word life, OC. You know, this is, the, it was, oh, I got this already. You know, Bill was like, I, I, I know what I'm talking. I was like, oh, okay, no doubt. He was like, mm. you know, search. You mess with search. I was like, yeah, that's my boy. It's all right. Can you give this to him? And Bill had a piece of vinyl on a record label called Southpaw. Um, I think that was the label, yeah. And it was a, a, a song called Dope Fiend. Like, just one song. Wow. So I brought it to Search, and I said, listen to it. And then, long story short, you know, Search is like, okay, let's call a meeting, bring him in. And Search and I talked about forming some kind of a group at some point. And then Bill kind of like came in, and it was like, this is incredible. I love this. Let's do it. And then, wow. we, then we formed Nonfiction. And Nonfiction originally was me, Search, Eclipse, and Bill before Gore-Tex. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's 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 fucking yeah. I'm but just, that happened while you were at Nana. You step, that that group formed. Nonfiction formed in 1995. As me, yeah. Bill, Eclipse. Because my band's first show was 94, but we didn't really have making the music till 95. Yeah, I was still at Nana. I made a demo tape or something too. Yeah, so crazy, and I remember man. we'd come in and we start to play each other's like demos and yeah. songs, and just to kind of sneak it in there, kind of take the temperature of like the room to see like yeah. people digging it, but. I know, at least for our stuff, it was really like hardcore, yeah, underground. Like the beats were like rugged, you know, and it yeah. was like, yeah, was some other stuff. It's crazy, like where that went from there, and like even to having Derek here, who we reconnected because he he's been living in Brazil for twenty years. Yeah, and he, when he joined Separatora, so stoked for him. Yeah, just reminiscing about that block, Prince Street, and all the stuff there, and working there. when Stussy was down the block. Yeah. And then Fat Farm opened up, and then Union was. There. I remember getting Union. my paychecks from Nana, and before I could even blink, it was gone. I'd go like, I go to Union, <laughs> I go to Stussy, I go to Fat Farm. I'm like, oh, I'm spending all my money. Yeah, the area, man, was crazy. It was so awesome. I mean, I guess it was like kind of original street brand vibe. Obviously Stussy, but Fat Farm too. That was yeah. like another. Yeah, that was incredible. It's crazy, man. Well, I remember just seeing Russell Simmons always pulling up. Yeah. And he always had a driver and he'd get out. And I was always like, oh, I need to go say what's up. What's up? We actually, <laughs> he used to live on the top of Tower Records. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, and yeah, and how I know that is because when we were in all fiction and when we started really making music, Search brought us to his crib. And I remember he was like, yeah, this used to be Cher's crib. This is her bed. I kept the bed here. And it was like hey, a little, a little wow. really interesting. Wow. Yeah, we were up there and he was like, rhyme. I felt like I was auditioning for like a boy band or something. <laughs> so we rhymed for Russell Simmons. But that searches, that was searches, you know, that is his guy. He was know? in the mix, man, search. Wow, Yeah, man. searches. And he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he was Nas's in the mix. first stuff, search like yep. entertainment. Like, yep. It's like, so he, so he doesn't put the band together, but you guys form, you meet Bill and... Yeah, I met Bill and then Search, you know, helped kind of put the band together. So okay. it's me, Ill Bill, DJ Eclipse, and Search. Came up with the Search, name. Search was part of nonfiction. You know, Bill had, they had talked about a group nonfiction that they wanted to do and spelled specifically like that. Yeah. Yeah. And even, um, you know, Bill and, and Gore-Tex, they grew up listening to metal, right? And hip hop yeah. and hardcore. Yeah. And they were big fans of Voivod out of Canada okay. um, and out of Montreal, Canada. And uh, we were friends. Uh, uh, with Dave One okay. and Pete Doug, who now have the group Chromio, okay, and name, um, yeah. and DJ A Track, yep, and and um, I remember they they knew they had a connection to someone from Voivod. Montreal was like an artist, you know, city, yeah, small. But city. you weren't a metalhead at all. You I wasn't metalhead at all. I was hip hop, pop, you know, yeah. reggae, you know, dance hall music, yeah. You know? And they were, and Bill was like, I really always wanted the logo to look like a Voivod logo, but I don't want to bite. Well, no, the artist away. Okay. From Voivod, who did their what? Oh, I didn't really did, know that. Did the logo? Okay, there you go. Okay. So he's the one who did the logo, and was like, "I'd be honored to do it." Damn. 
So I he's the one. I thought of that to just now, man. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's such a metal logo. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at I look at this amazing box set that John gave me for the podcast. Yeah. Premium edition, the future is now. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, the artwork, shout outs to Mir One, one Mir of the one. most amazing artists, Mir One. That, it just, it's, yeah, it's very fucking. So yeah. they kind of probably opened your mind more to that kind of music, right? The metal stuff. It did. It did. And when, and you know, on the future is now album, we yeah. had, uh, you know, uh, fear factory, um, yeah. you know, Deftones. So, you know, That's playing right. on it live for the CIA's trying to kill me joint. So, you know, yeah, it was, it was great. And for those who are listening that don't know the future is now was the first album that nonfiction put out official 2002. album 2002. Yeah. But you started in 95. So we started in 95. So, why, so you put sing, I knew you put singles out before that. Yeah. And did you, was, was, was there a suicidal cover in there too? I shot Reagan. Yeah. 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 yeah, that went that went over really well. That that was crazy. It did? Yeah, people loved it, I mean, dude. The first thing, the first thing was Legacy in 1996. Yeah. I actually yeah. think that that was part of the reason why uh, Geffen Records was like, yeah, I don't know about this anymore. Because really? we got signed, we were signed to Geffen Records. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like two years, right? Yep, yep. Same time as the Roots and Large Professor Lodge and Professor. Killer Priest and the Genius. I think no, it was Killer Priest. Genius was signed there. I think there was a bunch of people that was signed. To so were you guys artists. playing shows and building up playing shows and starting yeah. to get a good following and all that. Yeah, we started doing you know grassroots. You yeah, know, grassroots like wetlands probably wetlands all, all the time. SOBs. Wetlands, sobs, club yeah. vinyl. I think it was a couple yeah. of other spots. Tramps. Tramps, yeah, yeah, we rock tramps. That was a great venue, man. Yeah, those were those were awesome shows. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, but you're still working, doing everything else, still everything. doing music. It wasn't just I'm only doing music. You're doing everything else. Everything else, because I had to make money. You know, at this yeah. point, you know, I'm on my own, living by myself in Brooklyn. Yeah, two bedroom apartment. You know, well, it's two family house. I was living upstairs, old Italian yeah. landlord that kept the rent really cheap for so long. So Sick. it was awesome. Um, but yeah, still grinding, doing all that. And then nonfiction, you know, we, we first uh, single Legacy No Tomorrow um, distributed by Fat Beats. Wow, and that became cool. a huge part of our, our, our legacy and our thing was Fat Beats Records, yep. which Eclipse went on to like general manage and, and do all that for a year. So we continue to put out singles independently through Fat Beats distribution. But just singles, right? Records. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Singles, strictly singles. And before out, the internet, them. before like yeah. all that shit, yeah. just getting it out. Yeah. The crazy it's part, crazy. Toby, I remember the first time we flew overseas, Bobito, shout out to Stretch and Bobito because we went up there all the time as well. We were we had like a, like probably like once every few months up a stretch of Bobito, freestyling, like going up there. Cool. And it's a great doc as well, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. We got a little shout out at the very end. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, we would go up there, and then Bobito flew nonfiction, the arsonist, company flow, company right? Flow, yeah. So LP, now Run the Jewels. Yeah. Um, and uh, Mass Influence, a couple of other artists out to Denmark to do a show. It's the first time I'm, fl- well, the second time I'm flying overseas. The first time I went with Search to do The Weekender in Cambridge early on, but it's the f- first yeah. time it's nonfiction. We get out there and we're doing a festival in Copenhagen. Yo, there's like thousands of people and they knew nonfiction records. And I was Sick. like, how is this? This is internet's there, but it's not like yeah. that. And there's like this international export distribution of records. And I'm like, wow, this yeah. is crazy. That was some, that's, an yeah, that's like feeling, 97, though. 98, I think sometime around there. It was, it was wild. So that you probably, when you come back from that, you probably like super like, we were motivated. Yeah. And, and when we signed to Geffen, we got we got the deal. Search distributed some money, and we built a, a recording studio called Area 51 in Canarsie. Oh, wow. That's where MF Doom came and hung out and did the, the you know the song on the future now called Strange Universe. From KMD, right? Uh, from KMD, yeah. MF Which Doom. Which not many people know. Like I remember seeing KMD opening for third base. I remember seeing them 
so much back then the whole camp and then yeah, yeah i probably didn't realize it till many years later that that was mf doom oh you know, yeah, they, yeah. yeah 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 for Inc- sure incredible yeah. like just a yeah, just yeah. so Doom would come by and lots of artists would come by the studio and we just would demo stuff there and, you know, Gore-Tex would make beats. Now he's known as Lord Goat would make beats out yeah. of there. Necro would come by and make beats out of there and on the ASR 10 and we record demo after demo and that's where we did a lot of most of the album. Yeah. And then we ended up getting signed to Matador Records, ironically enough. Matador, okay. Matador, the guys up at Matador, you know, rock and, you know, yeah. let's fair and et cetera, like big fans of nonfiction and the arsonist so they signed both groups wow and most of the nonfiction record was made while we were signed to matador records were you playing with rock groups too or just strictly hip-hop at the time there were some rock groups we were doing festivals later on festivals i remember like in europe we go to a festival and then you know bill and gore-tex being big metal fans like okay we're done with the stage i'm gonna go see sabbath they're playing on the stage over there yeah and we go and i remember like going to the front of the stage because that's where they wanted to go and i I turned around Toby And I saw a sea of people Coming towards the front I cooked a big left Because I'm a little claustrophobic I couldn't I'm out of here I I feel you I I, I feel you But I'm like I'm out Wow Yeah so we would do some festival With with rock bands And stuff like that But mostly hip hop I mean Yeah But then you're touring On the future is now For a while Is that Touring on the future is now Is that music becomes Full time at that point Yeah That's music becoming Full time And that's where we did The high times tour With Bootcamp Click Rest in peace Sean Price Um, We would do uh, Full fledged tours With the Beat Nuts Who we became Really good friends with Who produced some Tracks on the future is now You know The future is now If you don't know People don't know Is produced by DJ Premier Large Professor DJ Pete Rock The Beat Nuts Necro. It's like a dream. Dave one from Chromeo. It's like, you know, yeah. And it's not like we had a budget to pay them a lot of money. They were genuine. Bill knew Large Professor from back in the days when yeah. Bill was doing work with Joe Fatal, who was at li- who was Joe on Fatal, live at yeah, the barbecue, barbecue, right? Yep. Yep. So yeah, it was like it was it was this this really authentic relationship that was established. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. Like underground yeah. community and grassroots, everything about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then you make then you start touring off that, you come back from Europe and just going full on like that's it, music. Full on music, doing it hardcore. Still not making lots of money. Did you, you feel know? like it could be a career though? I did. I felt like it could be a career. Long, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, if it was the way it was now with social media, we probably would have been like multimillionaires. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 whatever it is, but you know, at the same time, we're extremely proud. I mean, I hear people talk about it all the time, like wow, nonfiction. You know, one of the craziest groups you never heard of you yeah, know yeah, yeah. People, some people never heard of it should but be yeah. a documentary man yeah 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 well the green cd and it's actually i think it's in the box yeah. that has a cd but there should be there i i agree it'd, it'd be it'd, really interesting it'd be really interesting yeah. now, with all of our stories i mean bill and gore got stories for days of being in the studio with some yeah. legends when, where did gore come from he was Bill's boy. So Bill and Gore-Tex grew up in Glenwood projects. Okay. Right, like official housing projects when, you know, people who look like them and, and look Necro didn't grow up in the projects. So they yeah. were there. They were like, they were outcasts. And they grew up in the projects and they would listen to hip-hop and metal. And so they were boys growing up. And I remember Search was at Bill's house in Starrite City. And Search called me. He was like, yo, Bill's boy Gore-Tex is here. He was like... Listen to him rhyme. So Gore-Tex rhymed for me over the phone. I was like, oh, he's dope. He's like, yo, we're going we're gonna to put him down with us because they were going to have a group anyway. Wow. And I was like, I'm down. Let's go. So and yeah. that's what it was. And then, you know, we kept doing demos and Gore-Tex became an official part of nonfiction. Did MC Search have his solo records then? Was this after that? Mm. Here it comes. He had some good... I like I like. No, the, the solo, solo records. records was there. I actually okay, was on, yeah. on, on one, of the, one of the tracks oh, in the nice. video for Keep Boiling. 
Don't Stop Days of the Week. It was called. Yeah, yeah. We went down to like the video. Two, how many solo records did he do? Two. I, I think he did. I think he did two. But I was okay. there for that first one. I don't remember. Was, yeah. Here it comes. I think that was the first yeah, single. Here it there. comes. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah I always and, loved, man. I always I got to see Third Base a couple of times. They're yeah. incredible. I love those records. Yeah. Like. And then we parted ways at one point. You know, we just didn't mm. see eye to eye for a few for a few reasons and and all that. But you know, eventually, you know, time heals and you know all that good stuff. But uh, eventually, then nonfiction just became me, Bill Gore-Tex, and DJ Eclipse stuck with us, and that's that was Search's boy, and still is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Eclipse decided, you know, he believed in us enough and for the records and stayed our DJ, and still is to this day. That's amazing. And you, and you guys put out, you put your solo record out in 2004, right? Correct. Yep, Subocalypse. The and same time The Green came out, no? Around the same time. Around the same time. Yep. Well, that year, wow. ne Necro was producing all of our solo albums, decided okay. I'm going to put out a Bill album, a Sabak album, and a Gore-Tex album. Kind of like the Wu-Tang did. Exactly. Solo exactly. If that it was the blueprint, exactly. So I put out the Subocalypse album. Um, yeah, and that was great. Have like you know, Necro produced the whole entire thing, and yeah, had features from Vinnie Paz, Immortal Technique, Q Unique, and you yeah. toured on that too. Did tour on that as well. Yep. And was it weird being solo from the group? Um, yes and no. I think you know, for me, people always consider me the more political guy of the group, or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, you're the, you know, the righteous one, whatever. Um, although I think we all brought something unique and special yeah, to the yeah, group, yeah. I think that's what helped balance it out. But it was no, it was good touring solo. I, I enjoyed it, you know. It's yeah. I, I mean, I love touring with with the guys as well. Of course. Um, and the Green record good. did great too. Yeah, back the green, then. yeah, yeah. The Green CD did really well. Yep. And yeah. Then, to, then there's like a gap for a couple of years too. There was. There was a gap. The ritual. For, yeah. yeah. For, for 2007, because I moved out to the Bay Area in 2005. And 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 how'd that happen? Why'd that happen? Fell in love. Yeah. He yeah, told the story before he met her. Yeah, in New York. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Met, I met my wife in New York, and at that time, you know. Isn't she, it weird she, leaving New York though? He's like such a New it Yorker. It was wild. I'm such a New Yorker, and, and I never imagined. But we were touring so much, and we were about to go on a three month tour with Hieroglyphics. It was nonfiction, OC, wow, Hieroglyphics, and Boombat Project. Okay. So I moved to when I, we moved, and I drove across the country with my girlfriend, now wife, uh, my girlfriend at the time. We lived in Berkeley for like a week and a half because that's where she lived. So we found the place, and we found the spot in Oakland. And then a week and a half later, I'm on tour. Wow. And I'm chopping it up with A plus and Pep Love from Hieroglyphics. And I'm like, oh, where do you stay? I said, well, I'm in Oakland now. I'm like, what? Where? I said, hey, I know. You know, you guys are in Oakland. <laughs> and where? And it was like, Pep Love was like, I live down the block from you. And that. And then we became, oh, we became wow. cool. So it was good. It was like an introduction, a really good introduction to the Bay Area. Yeah. It was, was, that, was that a drastic change for you, though, from New York to there? It was. And I think a pivotal moment was I standing on the line at Trader Joe's. And at that point, I never knew of Trader Joe's, really, because they didn't have them <laughs> on the East yeah. Coast. And I'm just like, man, what the? What's taking so long? Let's go. Like, let's go. And Karina, my wife, was like, my girlfriend at the time was like, slow down. Things are a little slower out here. Yeah. I just like, let me get my stuff and go. Like, what's taking so, so fast? Long? Everything's fast moving, man. She's like, take a deep breath. <laughs> let's slow out here. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And, and you know, I learned to just pace myself. But it's, as much as I love New York, I can't see myself going back. Specifically weather related. I weather can't, related I cannot wonder, do yeah. it. I cannot do it. And it's it different there too. Yeah, dude. A lot of spots. Almost all my spots growing up aren't there. When I went there with my son recently, it was like a lot of a lot of young. I felt, I felt really old in Manhattan, especially yeah. like young kids waiting in line at these brunch places and pizza. I waited yeah. like an hour for a slice, and just like everything. My son loved it because it's that young energy. But sure. I, but I was a young kid running around there too, so I know what that's like. But it just felt just felt different, man. You know, I mean, everything changes. So absolutely, yeah, it changes, and you know, I, I tend to be like, oh, I don't want to talk like smack about it, but it is different, and I yeah. think it, it lost a lot of its authenticity with regards to like, um, to the grind. 
yeah. to the grind. I'm not saying folk song. It's a different type of grind, but yeah. the grind of like, you know. Hustle and bustle hustle, of the city. Man, the hustle and bustle of the city. The fact that you had to be street small. You've got to watch where you're going. And, you know, I know it's 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 like it's navigating the different areas in the different neighborhoods. And it's it's not yeah. great either right now, especially in the past couple of years. Crime has increased totally. tremendously. But there's something really special and artistic and mom and pop about New York City that it's not going to be there again, unfortunately. Yeah. At least from my opinion. But but so I, I love that that memory of it. Yeah, is East New York still East New York? East New York is still East New York. Because I heard there's some spots that really haven't changed. No, there are. There definitely are some spots that have not Avenue changed. Avenue D. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> for real. For real. But this, yeah, some spots are always say the same. But yeah, yeah it, was, it's, it was a great scene. The time that we were there, it was just a beautiful time for especially hip-hop, hardcore, everything, man. It was everything. Hardcore. The melting part of all of it, man. I remember you and I leaving Nana one time. You were like, I'm going to see my friends Rancid play. And you want to come? And I knew, I heard of them, but I never saw them live. And, and I was like, okay. And I think they were playing at the Limelight, which is yeah. a weird, 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 the Limelight was a dance club, but it had totally. multiple. And I remember like, should we get on the train? And I think either we didn't have enough money or we chose to spend money on something. I don't know, but we like, let's just walk. And I think we, we walked the whole I think I picked up a 22 ounce of, of Heineken. You didn't drink, so I was like, uh, you know, brown bag in it. Was it 20th Street or something or 19th? Or 20, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so I think it was Avenue. in the teens. Yeah, it was in the yeah. teens, and we went to see we went to see Rancid perform live, and I was like, oh, this is dope. Had you been to like a punk show before that? I had, I had, okay. yeah, yeah, um, a few ones. There was a spot in Brooklyn I remember going to once, but I wasn't. Was it know, Lamores? You ever go to Lamores in yeah, Brooklyn? Yeah, yeah, Lamores. We performed at Lamores a few times, and yeah, that was probably yeah. a dream for Bill because that is a metal club. Metal club. Wow, Bill and cool. Bill and Gort uh, and, uh, and Necro had a group that they played at Lemoore's opened up for Biohazard. Wow. Yeah, yeah. What was their group called? Was it a metal group? Yeah. Why? Why I'm just drawing a blank. Did Bill have I, long I hair back this. then he too. He did. Yeah. Dang. He did. Why am I drawing a blank? He's gonna hate me for that. But yeah, you'll have to interview him at some point. I will. He'll, he'll tell you all about it. And then there was a Nuclear Truth record that never came out. So yeah, so we started recording. Bill and I recorded a few demos for Nuclear Truth, and then some stuff evolved and happened. And you know, what year was that? What was that year was that? Been? That was around 2005, 2000. No, more like 2003, 2004. So it was a couple of years after the Ritual. Bill and I started demoing some songs for the Nuclear Truth. Uh huh. And then you know. So there's I, some demos I moved, out there. There's some demos. Yeah, we yeah there is. Yeah, we can put out a probably a whole nother green CD somehow, you know, and, and do that. But, um, but then I moved to Cali in 05. Bill continued to grind on his solo stuff and hasn't stopped actually. He's got a new album coming out soon called Billy. Awesome, Billy man. billion dollar bill. <laughs> um, so he's on his grind still. And and then what did you did you just want to, when you moved to Cali? Obviously, it was for your lady. But did you have other goals you wanted to do out there, or was it just still music? It was still music and education. I've always, yeah. I've always been passionate about continuation of, you know, music has always been my passion. But the message also, without being preachy, you yeah. know. So people ask me, well, what do you? I said, listen, it's the same purpose. It's a different platform right now. My work in education and in schools yeah. and and working with grants um, to provide opportunities for students in programs. Um, so I wanted to get into that. I was fortunate enough to meet some really amazing people um, in the Bay Area, including Alameda, um, where I ended up eventually living um, until I moved recently and working in the after school programs there. So doing writing workshops and things like that yeah. and managing some of the grants that they were getting for after school programs. So still doing music and still trying I was able to multitask it cuz at the time we were getting paid but it wasn't enough as you know. Yeah. You know, we you, you got to still make a living. Yeah. And 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 during the downtime was like what am I doing? If I'm not recording I'm not, I want to do something. 
Yeah. So it felt good to have that consistency and eventually evolved into a career for me. Yeah. And you didn't even go to college for that. No, not for that. I went for recording engineering. I mean, I've got tons of certifications of and tons of experience because, you know, you have to as part of like the process for providing opportunities. So like social emotional learning and PBIS and all the acronyms that are coming down the pipeline and still continue to be the restorative practices. It's like not only do have I been trained, but I'm also able to coach on some of those practices. So what's your official job title name? It's great. So it's a great question. So I'm a program manager and quality support coach. What does that mean? Okay. It means that our organization receives grants from yep. school districts. School districts receive them from federal government grants and state from the state of California yep. to provide opportunities for students beyond the school day. So after school, and we get to do lots of innovative and creative work. So I get to partner specifically, I partner with now seven high schools in the Bay Area yeah. where I get to partner with the principals. I get to partner with community members, parents, and students around what are your needs and how can we use this funding to help support those needs via resources. So yeah. perfect examples are if students are interested in, you know, music or art or coding. I look for artists. I look for opportunities and programs, and I contract with them to come into the schools to be able to do that. So that's part of my job. And the other part is to be able to coach adults on how to do that intentionally and purposefully yeah. when working with students. Like, how do you welcome a student when they come into the classroom, right? What does your agenda look like? How are you truly prepared? What's the type of language you should be using, et cetera? And I do that you know, as a collaborative team. So it's, it's amazing, man. And it's so rewarding because yeah. I could be doing anything else, you know, as an artist, <laughs> like whatever it is. And it's so fulfilling. And you know, you've come to see me a few yeah, times. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for now? Um, in this particular role, about 10 years now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy because you're doing all, yeah, you're, you're in that world, but then you're also like, an underground hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Like it's amazing. It's crazy to see. Like so, I don't do direct service with students anymore. Although I do pop in and do some workshops periodically, I'm mostly now helping support coaching adults to work with students. But it's interesting when sometimes students will know because there's this this is kind of like emergence of young people, uh, especially high school students, seeking music that isn't as popular, so to speak, ah. and they're finding it, man. They're finding it. And they it found could, you a couple of times? They found me a couple of times, wow. you know? And it's interesting because I've seen interviews with um, folks from Griselda, right? Talking about how they would listen to nonfiction. Wow. Flatbush Zombies listen to nonfiction. That's you know what I mean? So it's like these dude. great dope artists who are like really doing crazy, amazing things. But like listening to us That's and, I th and as that pops up, you know, with social media now, it's like, oh, wait, nonfiction. Oh, let me take a look what that is. And we're starting to find it. Yeah. Right. right? And we see that in even the consistency of the royalty checks that come in every month. I'm like, <laughs> well, we're splitting it four ways, but I'm like, oh, OK, there's but that's still, still coming sick, in. Though. Yeah. So the young people are they still they're experiencing it. Which Griselda mentions that is cool. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Conway, the whole. Yeah. The whole Buffalo, New York thing is. Yeah. Incredible, man. It's incredible. Yeah. There's so there's such a throwback, amazing vibe with them. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I love that like that people love it too. And it's not like some kind of like throwback thing. It's like not this you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's something now. Now something now. When you think about like when you listen to the beats and the rhymes, it's taking it back to, to hip hop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's taking it back to, to grassroots, you know. And I and I'm clear, like even like my appearance, right? I'm white passing, I look hella Irish, I'm Puerto Rican Sicilian. <laughs> That really, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm a guest in hip hop, you know what I mean? Even though Puerto mm -hmm. Ricans have been there since day one, yeah. you know, and you see the emergence of how many white artists are out there right now, right? And I yeah. think there's also a, a big responsibility, I think, that artists need to have, especially if you're, you're white. 
or mm-hmm. white passing when you're doing hip hop music. Because I remember Bill and I were talking about this, even with Search, it's like we'd be the only white looking people in the entire club. You know, it's like we'd be the yeah. only ones there at the shows, et cetera. And it's not trying to get points or whatever, but there's a respect and an authenticity. I think that's one of the reasons why even Search got that amount of respect that he did because he was there at that time. Even your boy Rappaport, I hear him talking about all the time, oh, Latin yeah, Quarters. Dude. He was there, you know, back then. And so I wasn't at the Quarters. I'm, I'm a little bit um, younger, but I wish I was. Yeah. Those days sound incredible, right? Yeah. So there was a few of us that were there. I mean, I remember going to see Gangstar shows and, you know, Little Dap, you know, and I was a group home fan. It was like, yeah, we were backstage with my boy Albie New, one of the guys who was down with them, Big Rob, who was down with the, with the crew. And was like, who the devil's back here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, man. No. And then years <laughs> later, I'm produced by DJ Premier. You know, it's so like, it's sick. crazy, but, but if there's a reason for Fuck. that. Yeah, Jack Harless, so many artists now, man. Yeah, so and I'm not like, mad at them. I'm like, cool, but if you listen, some of them were influenced. Yeah. They will they will say it. Do you listen Do you listen to a lot of new hip-hop? Do you keep an ear to it? I, keep, I, I listen to the, some of the new hip-hop. Yep, yep. I, I love I, Kendrick, man. The new record is just, I think it's like an art piece. I've been listening to it every day since it came out. Like, every yeah. day I find something new lyrically in there. And I think, yeah. Kendrick's I'll, brilliant. He's dope. I love how he did no press. Mm-hmm. He just left the country when the record came out. Yep. I love J. Cole. I think he's super talented. Yep, yep, yep. I love the artists that are like pretty much off the grid. They focus focus on the craft. They come yeah. back when they have a new record. They're not like Absolutely. all over social media. They're just like yep. Cole's in the Carolina. Yeah. I just love it, man. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and my son listens to all kinds of stuff. Too, yeah, right? I mean, there's some some really good music I still listen to. And I still like some of the more, you know, underground but new, you know, UFO Fev. Right, where That's are they from? from? From New York City. Okay, you know, Nems, right? Gorilla yeah, Nems. Bing bong, like he's like. <laughs> yeah. We were tour with him. Like he would nonfiction. He did albums with Bill Gorilla Twins, you know, before the Bing Bong. I mean, that's wow. that's a good friend, you know, in terms of like the stuff that he's done for many years. And I'm so happy to see him doing so well. And you want to hear a story told about his story, you know? Like he, he he'll tell it, but yeah, it's like thinking about the idea of consistency, of patience, of not giving up. It's yeah. like that's the grind right there. And the same with Bill and. You know, and, and our boys from Jedi Mind Tricks, Vinnie Paz, you yeah, know, people man. who are still doing it, you know, and doing really, really well, making career, keeping consistency, having careers out of this. Like yeah, so, so do you love where you're at in your life, what you do now? Do, do you, are you happy with your career as, as so far? Yeah, I am. A, a with hu- music and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm happy where I, where I am right now. I love that. We still get to do shows, you know, before the pandemic hit in, in 2019, our fiction went out to tour to Europe. And yeah. it was actually, it was some of the best shows I feel like we've done. We've done. Yeah, it was insane. Footage, yeah, we yeah. were like, it was insane. So still, to me, it fulfills my soul to be able to to go out and perform, you know, like this the show I'm doing uh, this coming weekend. Yep. You know, I don't know when this will air, but the Back to Basics Festival, yep. which nonfiction was supposed to do, but unfortunately... You know, they can't do it. But since I'm going to be out here anyway, they will like come rock a solo set. So stuff like that satisfies me. I'll do features periodically. I'll still write and create. I was going to ask you, you're still writing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, we're going to re-release the ritual. The ritual okay. never really went on digital platforms the way it should have. So my boys, uh, Snow Goons, my new one, them from out in, uh, in Europe and Germany, are going to do the ritual revisited yeah. with three bonus tracks for that album. That's and awesome. It's going to be released digitally and uh, limited edition vinyl. So you're always doing stuff to say creative musically. You listen to your music. You're always creatively music and also in my work. You know, know. that's the other part. It's it's innovation. It's ideation. It's thinking how can we creatively continuously get young people interested in the resources that are out there, especially in the last two years. A lot of young people are losing hope. 
right? Just online, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So being around people, being social, all that stuff. Man. It's wild, and I, you know, it's, heavy. it's interesting when the pandemic first hit. You know, we were talking about it, and I remember saying, I was like, "It's going to be beyond the physical illness of this." Oh yeah. You, you think about the longevity of what this is going to do, specifically to young people who've experienced friendships before and relationships yeah. and spaces where they can be themselves or figuring out who they are. Totally. So if you're in fifth, sixth grade, middle school, especially high school, like Max's age. It's yeah, like, man. Ooh, that, he graduated that, online. It was crazy. crazy I know. He crazy. went to his friends. It's all that. Yeah. But there's also, I think if you can kind of manage that, right. And overcome it, there's such a sense of resiliency that yeah. comes with that. And I don't know if it's showing up right now, but I think at some point in some way it's going to show up and the young people are going to look back and, and appreciate the moments, those teachable moments. If we can get it, get them through it. This is the positive what you're talking about. Yeah. The Absolutely. All of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just making it through and like not being, mm-hmm. yeah, it's such a different time, different world, man. It's just, I mean, you have two boys, man, two boys, seven and 11. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have more kids? Are you good? I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. good. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah. I'm not fixed yet. Whatever that yeah. is, I'm like ah. I'm fixed. My wife got me fixed. Whatever. I hear you. Uh, you know, Tube's I'm, I'm tired, contemplating. Yeah. You know, I'm like it wasn't uh, fun, but I know my wife wanted me to do it. So whatever. If I, if I was more into like basketball, because I heard that's the thing to do. It's like you know, you do it around March because it's college basketball March Madness. <laughs> you get snipped and you sit down and you watch games all day. Oh my god, that's, <laughs> that's a thing. What, that's a thing. <laughs> that's what I heard. I'm like, okay, like I like basketball, but I'm not that much into it where I'm gonna. Go get snipped and sit in front of the TV and watch no, basketball all day. You were saying earlier your son was DJing for you too. So he is, yeah. Are, are your sons into sports? What were they into music? They're like you? Yeah, yeah, pop? yeah. Um, so Marcus, my seven-year-old, um, he's a builder. He's an engineer. Loves Lego. He's an artist. He draws. Sick. You know, he he likes music. He plays a little bit of keyboard. But my son Lucas took an interest. I, I'm about like I don't officially play guitar. I strum here and there. I got guitars and stuff. But my my goal was introduce my children to instruments, to, to, to software yeah. and let them figure it out. Totally. So I had this controller, Newmark controller, and he started like picking it up. And then I got Serato light on the laptop and he started putting in music and started DJing. He actually was really good. He knew how to blend and started doing it. Wow. Right. It, it's wild how kids figure it out. Totally. Especially now, man. hundred yeah. percent. And, uh, so he didn't, he got a passion for it. And then, um, I think his first official gig was again, right before the pandemic, the school year of 2019 in August. And um, there's a company called Heart Blaster Clothing. It's Burner from Cookies. Burner. Okay. His daughter started this company with her mom, and they found Lucas and and asked. Um, shout out to Tracy P. Tracy P. Connected us, and Lucas DJed at this bowling alley in San Francisco that a friend of ours, uh, that, that the woman that we know, her friend owns, and like it was like this. Heart Blast event and Lucas was DJing a legit event. Wow. And for, right, so he took an interest in it and uh and then just continued doing it. And then he started playing guitar, electric guitar, picked it up at the School of Rock. We live close nice. by the School, of, School of Rock. So he started picking up a guitar. My son went to that, yeah. Yeah. And then he starts coming home and playing metal and playing System of a Down and Metallica yeah. and like and, you know, just really getting into metal now. And so cool. took an interest in that and kind of put the controllers in and DJing down for a while. But when this gig came up, I was like, hey, Lou, got this gig coming up. Like, you know, Eclipses out in New York. He's not going to make it down. But you want to what do you think you want to DJ? He's like, sure. So he started practicing with me. And I got another DJ friend, DJ Monster, who lives out here now yeah. from Fat Beats. He's going to come and DJ as well. But Lucas is ready for it, man. Wow. So yeah. he'll be on stage, too. He'll be on stage rocking. Wow. Dash will come on, too. 
He'll come rhyme too. He'll, he'll come rhyme too. He's gonna he come and make an too? appearance. Dude, Dash and that's how we started being friends. Oh Before God. he he you know he he went from rapping to acting back to rapping. Okay. Yeah, he was he was all he was ahead. The reason why Dash and I be friends, he grew up in West Beth. Okay. Right over there on the West Side Highway, the artist building there. That's where his parents okay. uh, grew up. His dad was an actor. Um and uh, mom was an educator and Dash grew up there and he went, you know, lived in the same building as John Gamble, Dante Ross, Gamble. you know, the SD fifties. Yeah, he grew up with like in the building. Right, okay. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Wow, so when dude. Dash and I met at City Kids, he would also be I was like, Oh snap, like you rap too and we would go to his house and sometimes I'd spend the night and we listen to Stretch and Bobito all night long and organize Confusion's first album and like yeah, Dash is ahead. He yeah, rhymes actually that, man. he rhymes. So he was on my first solo album, Sabaclips, on a song called I Have a Dream. Okay, I'm gonna listen to that today. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I made Brahma of the House once and Max was playing drums. I remember yeah, a long yeah, time ago. Yeah. Now he's now he's known as Bunchy. Yeah, Ray Donovan, Ray man. Ray Donovan, yeah. He, he's incredible character. It's one of my favorite shows. He's an incredible actor on there. He kills it. Dude, it just mm-hmm. the last thing I watched was like the Ray Donovan movie he was in, like, yeah. 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 But that that role probably was a I'm not saying change his life. That's an incredible role, man. Huge. Absolutely. Definitely pivoting, especially at a time when it's like all reality shows and actors were kind of struggling a little bit like, yo, you got to get yeah. some work, but everything is a reality show. It's like, or a Marvel movie. It's like, yeah. well, how much more can we have? And then this pops up. So definitely, yeah. You got to get him up here. I'm trying to get you. Know, yeah. He's going to rhyme with you? Yeah. He'll be there on Sunday. Wow. Yeah, he's done. We've we've done shows before. He's he's toured with me out in in, yeah. in Greece. We did Thessaloniki. We did. Um, he was out. For, he was out for a film festival in France, and then he flew it's over. Up. Yeah, it pulled up, and uh, we were in Athens. Rocked the show in Athens and Amsterdam. Me, me, we had a show in Amsterdam. Me and him are uh, uh, at the Milkweg. Yeah, Sick. yeah, yeah. And it's funny because we were there hanging out. And um, we went to my boy Etzin Pata, right? So uh, uh-huh. we went to Pata to check out some sneakers, and we ended up running. Oh, Pata, that's Pata. Pata, yeah, yeah. Pata, yeah. yeah. Uh, shout out to Etzin Pata, they're dope. And um, he, uh, we saw this this guy there, Eddie, who is the choreographer dancer for Justin Timberlake, and he knew Dash, and he knew me because he grew up in in Brooklyn. Wow. And he was like, oh, blah blah blah. All right, come to. This. So here's Dash and I at a Justin Timberlake Timberland concert in Amsterdam, like just I'm sure it was sick, out. And it was sick, but the, yeah, so we, it was <laughs> sick. Are you kidding me? I loved it. Damn. I have no shame in that. Um, <laughs> What's and up? What's up with Secret Society? What was that? Secret Society was a group that consisted of Necro, all of nonfiction, and Mr. Hyde. Okay. Yeah. So that was Secret Society, and that we actually had a few songs recorded. That was around 2005 as well, because I remember recording it in Oakland and then sending the files out to Brooklyn. But again, nothing really merged with that. So you recorded a lot of songs. Oh man, man hundreds. We so many songs. Like so many songs, albums, and, and it features. Seems like you still have a lot more in you though to put out. I, yeah, 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 a lot. Uh, you know, it's interesting because it's it's finding that time, and it's just like you know, just getting being okay with like you know just putting it out, not overthinking. I overthink. Yeah. I don't overthink shit a lot. Like I overthink <laughs> stuff a lot. Are you harsh on yourself? Are you like a hard critic of your stuff? Yes, and I'm also like I don't want to hear opinions, and now it's everywhere. You know. Know, now man. it's everywhere. Like, you know, we, we came up, I came up in everywhere. You know, you get a blurb in the sauce and Rolling Stone magazine and, you know, Stress magazine and, you know, yeah. et cetera, publications and mass appeal. Great. Fantastic. Now it's like came. everyone's a journalist. Everyone's a critic. And I'm came, like, and this came. And it is what it is. I don't want to sound like that, but it's just like, you know, if I'm creating art and I'm putting it out, I know, especially if you have no, no background you know what i mean if you've never made a song in your life or never toured you or never, never played a show, show. Or did yeah come on like you know what gives i mean you there's that like a lot of, i feel like there's a lot of music critics that like we talked about the pop before like 
how many music critics have written a song or played a show or yeah. toured in a van or slept on the floor yeah. and they're critiquing your music? Yeah, it's like. Dude, you remember when we were on Wolf Tour in 2004? Yeah, right. The you, I remember that. You were in Hazen Street. Street. Yep. Yes. Yep. You guys, we were on a van that whole tour, dude. That's no Q joke. It's no joke. No joke. I've done it the van before that. Yes. It was hella fun, though. I mean, that was, it was, that was so that fun. Was so much fun. Just long, hot fucking Ooh, days. hot days. Do you remember at night, every time when the when the shows would be done, and if we didn't have to go traveling too far, they'd throw a party and barbecue, whatever. Barbecue. I mean, you would break dance. And, and oh, that's right. I'm feeling old. Like, that's oh, 2004. That's, that's 2004. right. 2004. Yeah, Warp Tour. We did the whole tour. I can't believe we did the whole tour in a van. And it was it was like a tent, a hip hop tent. A hip hop tent. Yep. Dude. Yep. Yep. It's so crazy. crazy. It's such a grind. The Warped Tour is such a grind, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And I remember we come see Hazen Street because that album was incredible. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's, it's cool because when I mentioned, when I look up the bands that you guys toured with, Hazen Street got to mention or play with. I was like, it's like Gangstar, Run DMC, Wu Tang, Rage Against the Machine, Big Pun, Fat Joe, Most Def, Hazen Street, Black Moon. Feral yeah, Mark. man. Cool, yes, man. man. Rage Against the Machine too. Yeah, huh? that was at a Free Mumia Bull Jamar con uh, show. I think that was at was it the Wetlands. It was it was an organization called Refuse and Resist yeah. that was really about you know uh, uh, police brutality and, and and speaking up for the rights. And October twenty second, the day that most you know you wear black to represent like all victims of police brutality. And yeah. I remember like we did a show uh, from Mimi Abu Jamar. Yeah, that was crazy. Wow. Yep. At Wetlands, I think it was at Wetlands. Rage Against Rage the Machine. Machine. Yeah, it was a small show, but it was a fun like a fundraiser slash awareness concert. And how was it, like how was it playing Wu Tang? Was that just like a festival thing or show? Or? It was a festival. It was because it was a few times where we did stuff. So Bill actually ended up recording some songs at Raekwon with Vinnie Ponte at Vinnie Ponte's crib. They so were going to do something together dude. too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Raekwon will be at the show in the Jizz on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And Gangstar playing with Gangstar. I'm sure that was Fantastic. a dream. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, a lot of these were like these tramp shows. Yeah, tramp shows. You know, they were yeah. put on a, and you know, shots Big to Pun Peter. Too. Yeah, yeah, Fuck. yep. Nobody really talks about big pun skills, really. Really, I think I, think I, I some, never even mentioned on here before. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I love, Toby? I love the fact that listening to the podcast, my life, one turn, you can you like, transferable man. Like you can go into <laughs> a rabbit hole of like photography and artists in New York to like metal and you know fashion and and then really go down hip hop. Right, and, and even pop, love, and yeah. even pop culture. You know, like your yeah. favorite band's Coldplay, right? Yes. And you see, Dash and I would love Coldplay. I didn't even know that. You know, That's we would crazy. listen. Yeah. Dash and I would be in the, in the cars <laughs> listening to like the randomest, not random, but like when people would like, but we were just listening to like you know organized confusion and like boot camp click and Sean Price, and then we're throwing on like an Alanis Morissette and Coldplay, and like Ooh, you know what I mean? Just no, like, I love that. It's great. I've always been like that. I've always loved all types of music, but I mean, I love hip hop so much. I mean, I would never try to rhyme. Because I love it so much, and like, I just I just love hip hop. I, mm -hmm, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I got to be in New York during that time. I was yeah. breakdancing in the eighties. Like, yeah. I don't know. I just love and appreciate it. But I know that like that's not my lane as far as music goes. I'm also a punk rock skateboarding kid. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. I love I love it all though. Yeah. But like Black Moon, another underrated. We got incredible. to play with them and incredible, incredible <laughs> whole tour. Uh, was they called the High Times Tour, Weed Festival Tour, back in the days. You know, it's crazy. We did, uh, we did, uh, when you think about the emergence of hip hop and metal and punk mm -hmm. and all that, you know, it was because it was aggressive music. It was music with a message. Like, we're going to rebel. Totally. We're going to do the whole thing against the system. And nonfiction, um, Ill Bill and um, Jedi Mind Trigini Paz, we did two sold out shows back to back at CBGB shortly before it closed down. And I that was like about a that. I was gone by them. I remember Man, that. Man, it was incredible. Wow, incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, Bill actually ended up putting out like a DVD of, of that event. 
Yeah, it was crazy. That is so. That's so sick too. That's in honor, in honor before they yeah, close it down. I mean, I love like obviously Onyx with Biohazard, Bionics, the remix. Obviously, take you back to Run DMC, Aerosmith, and then yeah. Public Enemy, uh, Anthrax. Yeah. But all that merging, I feel like New York was the melting pot for all that because Absolutely. I could go to a CB's matinee on a Sunday, yeah. and that night I could go see. I could go to the hip hop room where Brooklyn Dom from Brooklyn Project yeah. was DJing yeah. at the Limelight. Yeah. My wife was a bartender at the Limelight. We'd go there or we'd go to the Ritz, see Airbnb and Rockham. Yeah. Or go to NYU and see Third Base with KMD, which I saw before. Yes. Just, just, everything was going on. Go to the Wetlands. Yes. Incredible. It was beautiful, man. Absolutely. All that. That timing is just yeah. that era of all that. Yeah. And my wife worked at the Palladium, so I got to go see Wu-Tang perform Protect Your Neck for Hot 97. First Ooh. time we were playing live. Mary J. Blige, What's the 411 when that came out. My, I got to go to all that stuff, and then Lou sick of it all. His girlfriend worked at the Ritz. We got to see all those shows. Yeah. Like, it was just like going from different spots. Incredible. Man. It was so sick. Did you happen to go to the show, and uh, I only hear one other person, Rosenberg, talk about this from Hot 97, uh, Karis One at the Palladium, where he threw out felt like a thousand tennis balls with his autograph on it Did not. and then we hold up the tennis ball and black lights came on and they all glowed you know it was glowing in the dark i still have that tennis ball so you were there i was there no Dang. i was there i still have the tennis ball holy it's crazy i have this box it's a new york yankees collectible box but in that box are like all beepers like old beepers and like <laughs> tennis ball and like trading cards and stuff like that wow. yeah that ball that was that was one and people are like what do you mean it was a thing karis one to this day like probably by far like when i look at performance with how i learn like how to perform because i've always been taking pride in my stage show my live show yeah it was krs and it was like a reggae artist dance hall artist okay right so yeah. it was like bounty killer and super cat like if i watch sound stages sound sets of like reggae artists the performance so you go they, they take you through journeys yeah it was incredible so anyway but krs when i when he did that I was like well i mean at, he's at the palladium five. at the palladium top five though i mean talking about a vegetarian no goat no ham no yeah. chicken no turkey no hamburger because to me that's suicide self-murder yeah and that record my philosophy and Oof. that's and then i was with the grill biscuits guys who are vegetarians and i was straight edge and i was loved hip-hop and then krs1 was i was like dude because i love bdp at the time yeah. like all that yeah and then getting to be in the onyx video um that's right i remember when you came to nana and i don't know if it, you had just gotten the tattoo what was around there but end racism on yeah, your man. back yeah the hand i was like yo you were like pulled up your shirt like look yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you were going to be in the house of pain video yeah i remember everlast saw me literally i was on the dance floor with my shirt off when they were about to open up for Rage or something at the Academy, and he somehow came to the crowd and saw my back. Somebody came up and said, hey, House of Pain will invite you to the video tomorrow. Fire Island. <laughs> that's how it happened. I think you told me that at Nana. It's fucking right, right crazy. By that yellow couch. You're like, look, they're going to invite me. I'm going to be in the video. It was or so maybe crazy. you had done it. Wow. So then the House of Pain, then the Onyx video. Got to meet Tupac before he had tattoos backstage Ooh, one time yeah, with man. House of Pain. Yeah, man. Shook my hand, looked Ooh. at me, said I was crazy with those tattoos. That, that was a moment. I wish yeah. I wish I had a camera back then. Yeah. I remember seeing Biggie outside of a studios once in the street. I was like, holy shit. Yep, yep. You can just walk down the street. It depends where you were in Midtown area. You see like, just somebody like. It's wild. It's wild. And plus you the block we were on with Fat Farm and Nana. And then, Prince like, Street. Yeah. Prince, Prince street. street. That was wild. I went to Airbnb Rock Him at the Ritz. It was a shootout. I never got to see him perform until like two years ago on the 30th anniversary of uh, Payton Flow. Yeah. I got to go see him finally perform. Yes. That was a scary moment running down the fire escape at the Ritz. Ooh. Sheets and pillows, yes, all those fucking pillows. clubs in New York, yes, man. Yes, Bill Spector. Yeah, Bill Spector, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, it was just amazing time, yeah. man. When you could go down and get on the subway and see a Keith Haring tag, like straight yeah. up, like live, right? It's like, it was like, whoa, on the wall. It was like, Fuck, what? Man. Yeah. Just And just everything tuned up now, 
how my son's like rocking all Carhartt. I'm like, yo, are you serious? Because Carhartt Whip now is like a it, it resurfaced, it restarted kind of in Europe, I think. They turned yeah. it into Whip. Now it's yeah. a street brand on expensive store here on La Brea. I'm like, totally. dude. This, and so the other day, like a couple months ago, whatever, he's like, I'm going to get this beanie. It's like 50 bucks. I'm like, yo, come with me. I took him to the Army Navy store, got the same beanie for like 15 bucks there or something. There you go. But I'm just like, yo, this is, we still, I show him all these pictures of all us from Carhartt back yeah. then from Dave's Army Navy on That's 6th right. Avenue. That's right. You know why I started Woo. working in Carhartt, though? I won't lie. Cypress Hill, be real. Oh, yeah. That's where I, I, I saw the yeah, video. I was like, yo, that. Carhartt. At Astor Place when they shot, they yeah. shot their video yeah. in New York, exactly. too. Yep. That's right a great doc, the new yep. Cypress doc. Yep. Dude, yeah, everybody's rocking Carhartt That's why I started, or Ben Davis yeah, on the West yeah. Coast. But, but I didn't really rock Ben Davis, but Carhartt for sure. Dude, Carhartt was right. like... It was Cypress. So that's how I... At least I know I started rocking Cypress. Then though. House of Pain, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, Cypress was like the first, right? Yep, yep. Maybe Gangstar had some, but you look back now, the Gangstar, photos. I think, yeah, on actually an album cover, I think Premiere was rocking one. Dude. But like I don't know tan, which came first, maybe. the Chicken McNugget or Egg McMuffin. I don't know if it was Cypress and <laughs> Premiere was influenced. I don't know. I don't but know. isn't it... Then it's crazy how like... All the kids were Air Force Ones now, yeah. and they wear them to their beat. My son's got them on the porch. I'll show you holes them. Like in New York, that shit would not fly. They were crisp, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Uptowns. I, I'm gonna keep it's it real. I, as a, as a, a former sneaker dude or whatever, I I have a phrase. I'm like increase the crease, because Ooh. I would be so scared of creasing my sneakers, my Jordans, that it would be like <laughs> uncomfortable. I'd walk like. Yeah. Herman Munster because I didn't want to crease it. Let, let, let the crease be a fashion statement. Increase the crease. You know? But now they do it though. The kids do it exactly. now. And now it's cool to wear dirty white Air Force yes. Ones yes. which is kind of cool like not giving a fuck. Yeah. And then and, then, and I didn't know this but in certain areas you can't wear black ones. That's like a different thing out here yeah. than is New York. Yeah. But New York was like Black Air Force Ones is almost like your winter boot, depending, yep. or you had Timberlands or Chuckas. Yep. All that shit. It's just crazy how now it's like yeah. the Carhartt's back, yeah. White Air Force Ones, yeah. baggy shit's yeah. back. You should see how many students that I see when I go to the schools to do the cybers in Oakland that wear Doc Martens. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Doc, they are Doc Martens. I can't believe that I used to rock Timberlands in like the summertime in New York City down the subway steps, you know? That was the thing, That's, though. That was, it was totally the thing, but I'm just like, That's crazy. Like now I need Air Maxes. I Comfortables. I'm not. Are you still a sneaker guy? Um, not that much. If I see a nice pair, like I, you know, rocking the the, the Air Max right now, the 50th year edition yeah. ones. You know, I, I you still buy, still looking online. No, nah, I, I, I can't shit. do all that. I can't do that. I can't. I mean, I, you know, it comes up in my feet all the time because I'm like, I got two kids. I got a, a closet. And Full? I'm like, I have, I have enough. Yeah. You I have, have some enough. like unworn ones and shit. I have unworn pata ones, like homegrown pata Damn, ones, like dude. limited edition. But I don't, those I don't care ones, anymore. Are those campus ones, the pata ones? They're, they have a whole bunch of ones. Yeah. They have the Air Maxes. Yeah, the limited edition. So you're not really searching for shoes. It's not part of your life. Not part of my life Something at all. Something might pop up. No, the only one that I really regret is... As a Yankee fan, they had a Derek Jeter Jordan limit one, and I remember waking up at like four in the morning trying. But I hear there's this whole algorithm that there's just like bots, all that there's stuff. There's a bots, yeah, exactly. So I was trying, and when I looked in line and what it was worth, like a few years later, it was like almost like ten grand for a two hundred dollar shoe. Isn't it weird? I'm like, like ah, you know, not like I would have <laughs> sold it, but I'm just like, you know, I can't get, I can't, I don't have time for that. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> what um, do you have any major regrets in your life? I know they're going off. No, no, that's not off. It's good. Uh, regrets. You know, I tend not to try to delve in regrets. I yeah. feel like everything's for, for a reason. You I know? like that. And it sounds cliche, but. Nah, people say it a lot. Yeah, no, I don't I don't know if I have. No? No. I love that. No, I think, you know, if anything, you know, my mom passed away unexpectedly June 11, 2011, which is crazy because 11-11 is the number that I'm kind of like, yeah, that's wow. really interesting. <clears throat> and then we, we um, 
when we went to bury her on St. Charles Cemetery, it was like plot 111 and like 11. No way, No, dude. seriously, dude. Like, if I put up the clock and it's you like... You better what? have 11, 11 tats somewhere. Man. I should, right? I don't have any tats, dude. Oh, okay, you're good then. Right? No, really. Clean no. canvas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but if I pick up, I'm like, oh, what's up, mom? You know? But I think if it, there's any, it's like... Usually, sometimes you rushed. I would rush to visit. Like, why well, would go on a Sunday? And it would be like, you know, my mom make a meal for like just me and Karina, me and a, and a girlfriend or whatever, for like fifty people. It was just us four, whatever, three, and um, just not spending, you know, more quality time. Like, oh, I'll see yeah. you tomorrow. I'll rush and blah blah blah. And then like, yeah. you know, I remember getting that phone call that she fell and hit her head, and like, ah, oh, oh, you know what man. I mean? That was in 2011. So, so a regret would be just like I wish I had spent a little bit more time, you mm-hmm. know, like like conversing, and you know, we did, yeah, you know, but it just, you know, th- that's about it. She would come see you perform, dude. She was like all the time, so not sick. necessarily with nonfiction, but as a kid with the focus group, she'd be there at the Apollo Theater and Mysteries in Jamaica yeah. Queens at the Ark and Flatbush Brooklyn and Mark Jackson's wedding to Desiree <laughs> Coleman, which was crazy. It's crazy. The Apollo is so young too. Yeah, like, dude, it was crazy. It was crazy. So I remember like being legendary. scared. I was like, ah, but we, we were like the youth special guests, you know, yeah. so it wasn't like Sandman's going to come out and give us. The no, book. I hear you. But it's true. I'm sure your mom is proud and shit, man. Super so proud, proud. Super proud. Absolutely. And, and is it weird, is it weird in your adult life now that obviously what you do in education, but you're also a rapper and you're also known that they're like normal everyday society people. Cause you, you may live this normal life, but you do come from New York, come from this underground gritty. You come from a different, I don't know. So is it weird? Like uh, I'm also a rapper. Is that hard? Is like, do you say that to people? Like what else yeah. do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I actually don't. And some okay. people tell me not to compartmentalize myself, but I often do like, you know, what do you do? And I tell them, I don't tend to uh, talk a lot about my other career. Right, at this one other point. Name yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it'll come up and it's really yeah. interesting, you know, as we, uh, you know, we recently moved and, and got a house somewhere else in California and yeah. you know, we're starting to meet people and then people are like, wait, like literally, here's a funny story. There's no lie. We had a major windstorm and I never met my neighbor behind me who we share a fence with. He has a huge trampoline. <laughs> the trampoline flies over my fence like the Wizard of Oz and it's <laughs> in my backyard. Wow. And I'm like, yo, what's, you know, what's up? You know, so anyway, I meet him and I had already been living there for like, what, six months already. We finally meet. Turns out he's ahead. You know, so shout outs to Anthony, you know, like wow. me. So he's like, yo, he's like, I knew y'all were cool because I heard you playing hip hop. I heard you playing Doom. I heard you playing boot camp click. I was like, what? And he would play <laughs> reggae music. Turns out he knows nonfiction. And then he sent me plays. And we're in the same age brackets, right? He's like 40, 47, Is he from out here? He's from out here. That's he's from the Bay Area, dude. but then moved out to the Sac area. And then we became friends. His son goes to my son's school. They knew each other. We didn't even know we lived right behind Bro, each other. I fucking love that. Crazy, man. right? That's incredible. So it's like. Like, you know, so anyway, there's that, that synergy there. So people start to find out a little bit, but I, you know, like I don't, I don't wear the flag. Yeah. I'm a rapper, you know, Yeah. especially now it's like, it's, and even not just now, it's become so cliche. And if I was active, as active as I was back then, hundred percent, what do you do? I'm an MC, blah, 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 blah. You know, but I'm, (laughs) I'm more, like I said, I'm more in education. It's the same purpose at a different platform. Totally. Yeah. And do you consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? I mean, I know the answer to that, but. Optimist for sure. You yeah. know, like I do, like a, there's this thing called the Gallup strengths, right? You identify, you take this assessment and whatever. It can be rooted in whatever. There's top five strengths. They say that all of us have about 36 strengths, right? Okay. But each one of us have top five and each of those are individually customized for you. You're leaving it an insight report. It's a part of our organization. We decided to embark upon these strengths. Okay. So my top five are like connectedness, communication, positivity, Woo, 
which means winning others over, which is not a one that's very popular. And then <laughs> arranger, like to be able to arrange, right? Ah. So it's really interesting. I like so that. that's I, I tend to look. I try to avoid conflict. I don't like it. I think there's drama too that, much yeah. drama growing up, whatever. So I try to avoid it. You know, it's also part of a restorative pedagogy, a restorative practice, you know, in terms of like, I don't believe in cancel culture. I believe in like a restorative culture, right? Where mm. there's learned behaviors. And again, depends on how many times you're going to make the same mistake, then we might have to cancel you. You know what I mean? Okay. But an opportunity for one to grow, right? To think yeah, about and that. Learn and change. And, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's so, interesting. I like that. Yeah. It's such a major thing right yeah. now in life is cancel culture. Totally. And so, how much time do you spend on the internet, social media and shit like that? Not a lot. And some people are like, yo, you don't even want to post. Like, how you been active? I and you only you got like, ago, yeah, yeah, exactly. You got like 4,000 followers. You should have like 400,000 by now. I'm like, because I find, Toby, you know what it is? It's like when I do post a few things here and there, I find myself on it more than I should be. And, I, and that's when I start to feel guilty and regretful. Okay. Like, I could be spending time with my family. I could be spending yeah. time doing this. And I'm just like, that's true. But I go down the rabbit holes. And honestly, sometimes I'll go down at night with my phone in bed and I'm like okay and I should be sleeping I'm the worst sleeper by the way it's like you don't sleep good ah, not at all people are like you need to smoke weed you live out in Cali I can't it makes me paranoid how stuff. many hours do you sleep at night you think like consecutive like if I get three hours like straight three hours if I get three hours straight now I'll sleep I'll fall asleep at like nine o'clock I put the kids to bed I'm like watching them. I'll fall asleep but then I'm up at like 11 30 then I'll fall back sleep around like one two and then I'll go back. And, you know, Damn. that could be anxiety. It could be whatever. Always been like that? No, not really. Um, maybe. You take melatonin? I don't take any. I'm, I don't like, to, I don't, I don't shit, like yeah. to take. Yeah, I don't like to take anything. If, okay. any, if anything, I will revert back to smoking, you know, and, and trying something that. I know people take or something. Yeah, like yeah. That, so a yeah. lot of people do, you know. Maybe I should go back to trying that. Because sleep's important. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Diet, sleep, water, all of that's extremely important. And we don't sleep. I mean, as you get older, you wake up early. It's, it seems like the thing where young, you sleep in, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. But I realize yeah. now sleep is so important with it's everything. Huge. Right? It's health. huge. Yeah, and absolutely. mental, too. Absolutely. Yeah. You deserve to sleep and you work hard. I do. You're right. And I'm going to try to get a great night's sleep tonight. <laughs> Facts. Going to the telly. Check one, two. Yo, we're back. <laughs> we Yo, are shout back. out to Tim Millhouse. I don't know who you fucking called, but all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this shit stopped recording. It's never happened. John, I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's a CMA. I wanted to impress you that I'm a professional podcaster now since we <laughs> hung out and that just fell to the freaking. Anyway, we're back. Ooh, it's um, all good. So I don't even know what we're talking about. Let's do this. <clears throat> Top five. Oh, you're going to go top five. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, man. It could be top five anything. It doesn't have to be like, it could be an author. It could be, I'm sure it's going to be hip hop. But Yeah. I mean, I think I know at least two. Let me ask you, who, many, do, who do you think on my top five? If you, had, if you know me. like you, wh- I don't know why Nas wouldn't be in there, man. Nas is in there, for sure. I know KRS-One's got to be in there. KRS-One is in there as Mine's well. Mine's Nas, KRS-One. Rockham, number one. Okay. Jay Z and Biggie. Those are my five right That's there. That's fantastic. That's a good top five. And you know, I, I know it's going to be hard because it's, you're it's actually hard, an man. It's, it's hard. It's hard because I love Sean Price. You Mr. know, Peace, I love yeah. Pharrell Monch. You know, Nas. I love Guru. Jay Z. Dude, there's there's so many. It's like I don't That's hard for you, right? It's hard for you. It's easy for me because I'm I don't I'm not. And I keep it real. I'll keep it real. Like even within my clique. Like I genuinely like Ill Bill is sickest lyricist. You're not just saying because that's your boy. Not at all. Yeah. Vinny Paz. Yeah. You know, like they these lyricists, dude. Yeah. You know? 
And people are like, oh yeah, like I don't, I'm, I don't have an ego like that. Be like, well, and, and I'm the bad. No, I know what I know yeah. what lane is. I know why I do music. You know, and you've played with a lot of these artists and be, probably became friends with them and also grew up loving them. Absolutely. And growing growing up though, like growing up, it was for sure. You know, the state was cool. You rap, Ooh. Big Daddy Kane. You know, I listened to like Lockham Shabazz, which which was crazy. Yeah. You know, and like Naughty by Nature, Tretch from Naughty by Nature is an incredible MC. He never gets it. Redman, yeah. dude. Red nobody Man. talks about Redman is incredible. I love that Eminem always puts him in his top. That makes me happy. Yeah. He always gives him so much love. Yeah, Redman's another one nobody talks about. He's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Tretch, of course. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Just because they had hip hop brain, some more poppy thing. Here we go now. Yeah. All of you hear me flow. But they see still gritty and absolutely Newark. Absolutely. Who else, man? Yeah, Trying, yeah Black. Moon, incredible. Yep. Uh, what's the dude's name for the roots? And nobody talks. Black gets, Thought. Black Thought is incredible. Too, man. Absolutely. I love watching him even to this day when he's on like a Funk Master Flex freestyle. Dude. Like, killing it, man. Method, Co- man, Method Man, too. Method Man's lyrics are just improving and getting better. And he's always been dope, but they just keep getting, I mean, Ghost, crazy. Raekwon. Yeah. Absolutely. It's crazy because yeah. Ghost came out of like literally, no, we had the mask on when he first yeah. came out. Everybody was put their stuff out first. Yep. But then he kind of came just really just consecutive solo records yeah. killing it yeah only man. built for cuban links is incredible this other ones have the purple tape stuff like that's great yeah but that's just like that but like i feel like ghost to just blossom i don't know it's yeah. interesting and you know what you know oftentimes out of out of the conversation on women in hip-hop and women mcs and not like i want to compartmentalize women but i put rod digger up there rod digger's rod digger. dope wow you know what I mean? man yeah you know uh you know it's it's it, there's like you know Queen Latifah, Queen Latifah too, dude. Queen and what Latifah she was singing incredible. about back then. That, that I got the cassette the of her first album. Queen Latifah rapping the ya. Don't think away. I mean, I used to pump it. Yeah, man. She was sick. Yeah, nobody, yeah. Nobody, ta- nobody put her up. Yeah, MC Light. My top five will change like, you know, uh, not that it will change because if I had to narrow it down, I gave you a gist of who, who they would be like in terms of the consistency, you know, and like, yeah. And again, there would be Nas in there. There'd be G rap in there. Um, Were you a big J fan? I liked, I liked Jay-Z a lot. Yeah, that was dude. a great, and I didn't really, my boy Hassan, shout out to Hassan. Oz, he, uh, he, he was a big Jay-Z fan right around the reasonable doubt time, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's, it's cool. And that came a little bit later with that album, but it took me a while to, to really catch on to that album. I see, I used to see Jay-Z all the time. I uh, Really? Right on 8th Street. Right by Sixth Avenue, by Grape Papayas. He oh, would yeah, be Grape in the white bands. He would hang out there, not eating hot dogs, but he would be around there. I don't know why. Dang. I don't know if he was going to House of Nubian. I don't know if he was going to buy like hats. Remember that hat store that would be around the corner? Yeah, all the fifties and the stuff. Old, yeah, so I don't know if that was, but I used to see him there. All but the there time. was a studio there too, a famous studio, where Rancid Elk and the Wolves. Okay, I forgot what it's called. Very famous studio. I know Jay Cole did stuff there. Okay, dude, it's so I'm I'm, I'm spacing, but it's like one of the most famous studios that became for everything like. Um, Rick, uh, what's the, what's the producer's name? Is Rick, Rick Rubin, Rubin would be yeah, in, Rick Rubin. Everybody be in yeah. there, man. So probably right around there. Maybe that's why. I don't know if that studio's been there for a while, but I remember like seeing Jay pull you up. You see Big Year around? So it's interesting because my friend, Nashawn, he uh, he grew up in the same neighborhood as Biggie, and I remember him bringing uh, Biggie cassette early, pre-Biggie, like Ready to Die album, and I brought it to the block, like my friends will vouch for it. I used to go to the block where Damn. I grew up, and my boys would hang out with Dean and Albie and all of them, and I would bring the advanced copies and stuff, and I had Ready to had Die end, yeah. before Ready to Die, and it was just like, Damn, man. who the fuck is this? Hey, when we would pump that yeah. all the time, dude, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Pac too, like you know, Pac was little. So one of my mentors, Jamal Joseph, he was a, a Black Panther, part of the Panther Twenty One, served nine years in Leavenworth. He was the artistic director at City Kids. Wow. He's Tupac's godfather. 
So wow. he would talk about Tupac and Afeni Shakur, Tupac's mom, would come and visit us at, at City Kids and talk about the Black Panthers and talk about, you know, youth liberation movements yeah. and things like that. And I remember when Tupac got shot when, in New York at that time, Jamal would go. And uh, there's a book called The Legacy, Tupac Shakur. It's a big collect, like a box set. Okay. You pull it out. It has almost exact replicas of Tupac's marble notebooks, flyers, when he was in dance class. So Jamal Joseph is the one that produced it. And on my Sabacalypse album, Jamal's doing poetry and interviews. He came to the studio uh, with Necker okay. and I and came and did that. So that's wow. just a fun fact about Pac, too. No, Pac was sick. incredible. Yeah, there's a Pac museum here I really want to check out for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he went to like art school in Manhattan and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. Wow. Yeah. Are there any artists that you would, would love to do a, would love to have done a collab with that still would love to work with? Or you don't think about stuff like that anymore? I don't, you know, I don't really think. Let me think. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's you know, Wise Intelligent. I've done a couple of songs with. You know, is that Poor Righteous Teachers? teachers, And I think he's an incredible artist. That that was, you know, thing things like that. Um, People say her all the time, and because we had met and freestyled in the basement, Lauren Hill. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I was like, oh, that was almost tangible. Had we recorded something in City Goods, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's. It like, seems like you play I, I with love a lot artists, too. yeah, and I, and I love and I love just you know when I think about collaboration, like even when I was doing the Sabaclips album, you know, we didn't expect any features, but I was like, I really I like Vidi Paz, I like Immortal Technique, you know, I yeah. like my boy Dash, who we talked about, you know, and uh, let's get them on the record. So I collaborated with folks that I wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was crazy because even at that time with Dash, it was like he had just. Came off of Romeo and Juliet a while back, so oh, he was he right. did that, and you know we were out hanging out in the Hamptons doing crazy, <laughs> crazy shit back then, you know. Yeah, and then hip hop where it is now. I mean, it must be it's incredible just how it's probably like one of the biggest music in the world. You know what I mean? Like all the yeah. different generations, the different styles, and the trap and the slower yeah. beats, all that stuff. My son brings home and different artists mm-hmm. are like he's turning me on to. Um, it's crazy. I mean, it's just yeah. how far, just, you know what I mean? It's incredible. It's it's interesting to think how far hip-hop has come to the point where, like, I know this guy, uh, Dr. Elliot Gann, he goes by Philip Drummond, and we met in New York. He would come to non-fiction shows. Now he lives in the Bay Area. He is a, he's a doctor, psychologist, therapist, and he developed this curriculum that is a non-traditional mental health support for young people, so they make beats. It's a beat making, therapeutic beat wow. making program called Today's Future Sound. That's and inc- students are learning and you go back to the idea of hip hop healing, right? Yeah. And that's, it's true. It's like, it does. Music heals. It really does. You know, on the flip side of it too, it's like, you know, if I want, if I get into some of the, uh, my, my theories in terms of like what's being allowed and what's being pushed out there is not necessarily the most. See, at a time when hip hop was coming out, it was the voice of the voiceless, the under-resourced, the marginalized populations, right? And you would have music coming out, you know, from, you know, Kokush Brothers and you would have, you know, and even from, uh, even past that era, because I was young for that, but thinking about what KRS-One would talk about in Public Enemy, yeah. Eric B and Rakim, you know, et cetera. And that, you know, it got, it, at some point it became quote unquote dangerous. It's like, whoa, there's this evolution. There's this music that's popularized, right? Yeah. 911 is a joke was on the radio, it's like pr- on, yeah. on prime time. And when you think about what that record was about, that Flavor Flav did, you yeah. know, it's, it's wild. And, true, and actually, then at yeah. some point it pivoted, right? It's like, uh, and again, thinking about not to get preachy, but systemic and institutionalized racism and mm-hmm. marginalization. It's like, okay, now I'm going to continue to push this music out here. And it doesn't necessarily reflect the, it may be like, who am I to talk? I'm talking as a way uh, 
for hearing what young people, as we do surveys and inquiries with young people, some of their thoughts as well. Like, yeah, we're being introduced and it is shaping the minds of young people. You know what I mean? Like you say, I can't blame music. But the truth is, you can't tell me Karis One didn't influence me. Right. Yeah. man. You can't tell me Mob Deep wasn't in in my my playlist and in my headphones when I felt angry and I wanted to just go run and jog around the block. Yeah. You know what I mean? The quiet storm to this day. You can't tell me. Yeah, that it didn't influence. So how can the other stuff that drill or whatever else and listen, young people do what you do, but it is influential and it's intentional. There's a reason. Mm. There's a reason for it. Look how many. Man, I, re- I said this in a rhyme. I remember how I, I felt when Scott LaRock got shot. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. And I was like, well, he died. That's crazy. Yeah. Think about how many young, talented artists. It's true. Have man. been killed and murdered recently. It's true. Dude. It's and it's almost like we become it becomes the norm and we're desensitized and numb. Yeah. It's wild, right? Yeah. And part of it is like what's happening out there. And you know, again, I'm drugs not, too, like the over drugs and, and the pills yes, and all that. And, yes, the flashing of money and knowing where you are, your location, because you're you're having to post it on the gram or or whatever. And again, people are like, Oh, you're so far removed, you know. Because no, I'm talking about how I work. In communities. That's what happened to the one you know, guy who put his, where his location was on Instagram. I forgot his name. He sounds like 50 Cent. I think it was from New York. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he put where he was at. Pop Smoke. Yeah, that was horrible. And yep, I watched, rest in peace. Canarsie. Yeah, I watched a little pump. Not little, whatever his name is. Little Peep document. That was said yeah. with the drugs. Yeah, yeah. I just watched two other ones of my son. I just watched a triple X one. Yeah. Some heavy, heavy stuff. Yeah, man. yeah. And it's a shame. I mean, even thinking about, and and I, I, I forgive, forgive me, I don't remember his name, but there's a young prospect, a young a ball player that just was murdered in New York City, right? After, you know, being on on vacation for a little bit. Wow. Right, like three nights ago. And it's just like, oh, so, so, and then again, this is happening, whether you're an artist or not, there's a lot no, of, I know, lots I know. of gun violence. And again, but, they just sent it just passed the law that, you know, they just, they, they just talked about like, um, guns being okay to carry now. So I, now I that, yeah. it's crazy. And and today they they overturned Rowers Wade. It's like, are you kidding me right now? Like this country Go, going backwards and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get too much. Into no, but that. but as being a parent too, are you strict about the stuff that your kids are listening to? Yeah, yeah. We monitor. I mean, Marcus he's seven, so he's still young. I mean, they'll listen to some stuff. And uh, and Lucas is being more exposed to like music because kids that he doesn't have a phone, right? Okay. So it's like you know he's eleven. We're thinking about 112 or when he goes to middle school, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of kids in his class have phones and they're like, you know, he's coming home, you know, singing things that I know I've seen on TikTok. I'm like, TikTok. How do you I don't know about that? You know? Yeah. Like, oh, because of la, la. so it's just really, it's really having the conversations, you know, it's having those all And you know, Toby, I say this all the time. They come in, I tell like in terms of even fatherhood or parenthood, like I, I think about you all the time in max and how like it's building, knowing the boundaries of your father. And you can also be somewhat of a friend, you know, totally. finding that balance. And you have to, my greatest accomplishment would be if I can have my kids trust me enough and respect me enough to share with me openly about anything that's going on. It's so important. Communication is so important. Absolutely. That's all you want. You just want that. You want them to like, you got to be the role model the best you can. You got to make them comfortable to tell you everything. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm very lucky. I have them myself. We have a very open communication. Yep. And that, uh, that bond, which is, yeah, it's, it's it's super important. Yeah. Cause growing up, we didn't have that. I grew up with no dad. You grew up with no dad. Like having father figures in our life and those communications, those conversations, man. Yep. Because if you, you ain't the one, they're going to find somebody else to talk to. They may not be positive, but just anything. Puberty is right here, man. Puberty is around the corner. It like, is. it's in it. And I'm like, oh, here come the conversations. I know. And now I think it's amazing how kids like Max, he'll be like, what is this song? And he'll be like, a split second on TikTok. And I'll be like, 
That's Mob Deep. And then he would dig deep dive. Now he's like rocking my Mob Deep shirt, listening to Mob Deep yeah. all the time. Just from these random TikTok yeah. things, they're finding yeah. music that he's heard me play a million times that couldn't care less about yep. it. But it's on TikTok and it's like yeah. this trend and he's. Yeah, that's incredible. Be- beat nuts. Shout out to the beat nuts. Juju Cycle Less and them. They got one that's viral right now on TikTok. Yeah, they do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good for them. Cycle Oh, yeah, from back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, good for them because they are very underrated. Incredible albums. You know what I mean? Like, people don't probably even know it's where the J-Lo got that sample. Yep. <laughs> Just, excuse me. All that. Jenny producers, from the block. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. incredible, yeah. man. Yeah, absolutely. That's a band who I wish, I know they get their props, no pun intended. Yeah. But I wish I could have seen them. I, don't know, I just feel like they'd be yeah. up there with all the other greats, yeah. and, they're, and they're great. But yeah. like Corona Queens, and yeah, we toured with them in, in the U.S. for a long time on a tour bus, and we toured with them in Europe. And and when you see them on stage, and and they come out like we were in, in Oslo, Norway, nonfiction beat nuts, and yeah, you, you'll see. They, I mean, they they they, woo, get, they go hard, right? Woo, crowd went but they, crazy. But they're still making music. Crazy. They're still doing all that, right? Yeah, yeah. From what I know, yeah, and they're still touring. They get to do stuff, you know, on and off. So. Yeah, I love that. I love when like people like that are appreciated and get, they go on tour. They see Onyx are touring a lot. Onyx was I called Manu about the ritual we visited that I'm going to put out soon. The the, the re-release of the ritual, and I was like, "What's up?" He was backstage with Onyx. They were in, I don't know, somewhere in Europe. Yeah, they're killing they, over there. all the time. And Jay with the damage, he lives in Europe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he lives in Berlin. I think. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, he man. popped up at a show I did in Amsterdam a couple of back in what is? Yeah, he might have been in Amsterdam or something like that, or Copenhagen I, or something. I, yeah. I think yeah, he either lives in Copenhagen or Berlin. I don't know. But it's yeah. just Shout so cool. To to, yeah, man. It's, it's so cool. So, you know, like people still doing it. Still yeah, like, yeah, it's beautiful, man. It is. It is. Because we're, we're grown ups now. Grown ups. But we're big kids too. Oh, man. I, I, I you know, I want to wear, I wear sneakers. How <laughs> <laughs> oh, old are you now? Are you 50 yet? Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. Almost. yeah, yeah almost. <laughs> I'm 52. But yeah, I still rock sneakers. I'm not really looking for it, but we still rock our, yeah. I don't know, with hats and stuff. Can we wear baseball hats in our 50s? Are, we cool? are you kidding me? I have okay. to, or else my head will be burned. Okay. I've been rocking, you know, it's funny. Around the honest time, I shaved my head, you know, and then it just didn't start growing back the way I wanted it to. I had a mop. <laughs> I had a red I remember mop. You had a nice red. Yeah, yeah red bro. You had yeah, that. Yeah, I had a flat top at one point. It like, was like Pete Nice vibes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, color me bad. Dude, you used to have that. So you, sh- <laughs> you shaved down during yeah, that time. Yeah, just kind of keep baldy. Like baldy, right? I rock a baldy and all that. And then it's all of a sudden. You always like, had oh. the beard, though, like the nice lined up. Yeah, chin, chin strap. strap. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. That's what Dash calls. He's like, when you going to get rid of that chin strap? No, but know? that was like, you still rock. Yeah, yeah you look good. You're aging well, man. Thanks, man. I, if I slept more, better. I, yeah, if see, I slept better. That's the one thing that's the takeaway from this pod. Yeah, I'm going to sleep. sleep more. Absolutely. You deserve, you have two, you have a wife, you have two yeah. kids, you bust your ass. I work hard, I need to sleep more. It's a gift, it's a gift, right? But I listen, when, when you, that that really fucks up your immune system. I don't care how good you eat, if you work out, yeah. sleep is can really affect your immune I, system. I, I totally I agree with that and I and I wholeheartedly agree. You take naps? You know, I don't, but when I do, like 10, even 10, 15 minute power naps, whew, Naps Dope. in your 50s is reality. Nappuccinos? Nappuccinos, like a 50-minute one. Or like a, people say it's healthy, too. Yeah, yeah. I drink coffee black. I became like a coffee snob. Back in New York, I would get a Dunkin' Donuts, whatever. Then moving out to the Bay Area, uh, my boy Pascal told me how to do some pour-over coffee. That stuff that you would pay like $9 a cup, okay. I do myself. So I find really, like, really great. Like, uh, Rusty's uh, like this. Uh, like total, like these beans. Mostly, I like, I like Ethiopian beans right roast you i usually do a crib? medium black i don't cook i don't roast them at my crib no but i like i have the scale i grind them accordingly you know i put the beans to the measurements the ratio of water the temperature of water Damn, many- it takes like maybe four or five minutes to do because i'm so wow. used to it now but i'm getting you know myself and the beans that are organically grown and, and uh you know justified you, and you like- just sounded like action bronson talking about 
some food he was about to make. Bro, your I'm passion, you, your love for coffee. My love for coffee, and I don't drink a lot of it. People think I drink yeah, it all so how day. How many cups a day? One cup a day, man, because it's good. And you know what's funny is, is Karina. She'll make fun of me because she's like, "I want a mug. Where's my mug? I do small pours. I have remember the blue cups, the Greek diner cups that says, yeah, you know, yeah. thank you for coming.' I have Classic. ceramic. I have ceramic ones. Sick. So that's what I that's use. That's some New York you know, shit. Like, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but I drink it black. No cream, no sugar, none of that. So, people in the pod. We're going to finish this up, but I'll let you know that today started before you got here. I thought I, thought I was going to have a heart attack. I'm on and off coffee. It's my love thing. I started maybe two years ago. I drank it for one month straight. It's the only drug I've ever put in my body. People call it a drug. It's not a drug. Whatever. It's not a drug. It's caffeine. Yeah. We, we, can, we can argue about that all night. Sure. Anyway, it makes me feel a certain way. Shittery, jittery. People know the deal. But before you came here, my, my son came home. I, I'd already drank my yerba mate, which I'm trying to wean myself off of coffee. Yeah. Because it's got natural. It's from the Amazon. It's from South America. My boy Derek got it for me. The um, herbal mates. Yeah, your yep. mates. And it's got a lot of caffeine. And then my son brought home this coffee and he just left it here and wasted it. And these coffees are like six dollars. So yeah. I took it, I put some ice on it, and I just started drinking it like around one o'clock. And then once I, I started feeling then my friend Tim pulled up, I started feeling really anxious. Like I thought I was having a heart population yeah. and I'm a hypochondriac. And I hit my son up and said, Yeah, those are two espressos that was in there. Yeah. And I drank it and I just felt like I had to go rush and get it through pounding water all the because you get dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not a good feeling for me, man. Yeah. Like it doesn't really work for my body man some people like love he's laughing some people love it and live by like you yeah. the way you just spoke about it was like yeah it was love it's an appreciation it's like i'm a sommelier of coffee and you know some people get that feeling and i think that if you drink it at a certain time like for me like i don't even eat i, I don't even do it intentionally but it's called the intermediate fast so, i do it too there that's you go my life, boom bro. boom eat like two or three in the afternoon that's it i don't know if i can go that far but usually <laughs> what i do almost once here's, a day here's my ritual like Tell I'm me. literally i wake that's up one of my last wake up in the morning ritual? usually i'm up at like seven o'clock or so you know six forty-five, give or take get the kids you know ready for school whatever or whatever we're gonna do and then i do a glass of warm water with lemon and sometimes a little apple cider vinegar and that's every that's been like that for the past two and a half years three years every years. day of that and then what I, does that do for you I, it's just i feel like it cleanses me i think like it meant to help my, my anything that i'm eating that might not be the healthiest so i think i have a pretty good diet kind of breaks it down you know it but just doesn't coffee even break mentally it down too, possibly but even mentally just drinking lemon in the, in, the, in the morning before anything helps and then before I put anything. So I brush my teeth, drink that lemon water and then I'll do my, my like fresh pour of coffee without any cream, any sugar, right? The ratios are important too because if you do it too strong, that's when you're going to get those palpitations if it's ah. blended. So I do a 18 grams of beans coffee to 300, 312 grams of water. Okay. And then this it's, it's a good awesome. blend. It's science. It's a science. And I have, okay. I have all types of beakers and stuff like that. Like, Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bach barista. I know um, people do celery juice in the morning too. That's good too. Yeah. But, yep. but, so but I don't eat anything solid till about 11 o'clock. And that's just, I don't. You get a pound water too for hydration? Uh, absolutely. Pound, pound my water. But, and again, there's days like if I'm waking up and Karina's making breakfast this Saturday, I'm going to eat at nine o'clock, you know. But for the most part, especially during the weekdays, I don't eat till like 12. So one coffee a day. One coffee a day. And if there's extra, maybe I'll do like just pour the extra, but it's 300 grams of water to, yeah. to 18 it's grams just, so of it's coffee. So coffee too, it's though. Really good. Sorry, just burp. Does it affect you? can feel it making, yeah, yeah. Not that it, no, my, my, my mind. It's like it doesn't make yeah. me feel like, oh, I'm ready to, blah, blah. it just, whatever coffee does. Because obviously yeah, there's, there's an addictive caffeine, you know. But, yeah. you know, like, like Karina, she drinks uh, matcha. Things like that. Yeah, I like you know, matcha too. Yeah, it's, it's there's a caffeine little, in there too as well. Is, yeah, there is. It's all moderation and balance on how you do it. Exactly. But for me, it's like 
drink it. Oh my god, I have to go to the bathroom. Then I'm dehydrated. Then I take a nap. <laughs> then I'm like fucking anxious. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm already a hyperactive human anyway. Absolutely. So this just adds to it. But I, my my band are obsessed with it. They walk ten miles in a small town in Germany in the village yeah. to find the perfect coffee shop they found online. Like yeah. they go every country. Yeah. I think that's a cool thing. They go on their walks. Yeah. And get their coffee. I do that. It's a man. mission. When it's I'm a... on tour, I do that. Okay. I, I've so done you that. seek it out. I, I started drinking coffee black because I was in Italy. We had just arrived. We got to the hotel. I was like, I'm going to go explore. This was years ago. And this guy was in the lobby and I'll make this fast. He was in the lobby, had a suit on, had a baby in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And I was like, oh, gross. Right. <laughs> and he was drinking coffee and he said something in Italian. And I speak a little bit of Italian, Sicilian dialect. He said, come here, come here, sit down. You want coffee? I'll tell you where to go. And I was like, okay, cool. Long story short, pours the coffee. I said, you have cream? I was like, cream in the coffee. What are you doing? Work so hard to get the beans and to <laughs> roast the beans and you putting milk in the coffee. Yeah. Like, Why would you do that? So I drank it. Offended. Like, now, now offended. Drink it black. Taste the notes. Taste it. So now when I buy coffee, like I literally can taste that fig, is- cherry. Like I become accustomed to it. And you'll say these notes that are on the coffee. Wow. Yep. yep. And I drink a lot of uh, a Red Bay coffee, okay. which is a black-owned coffee out of Oakland, California. Oh, nice. Red Bay is dope. Dude, this guy's, all the people listen, I know there's a lot of coffee drinkers listen. That's, you broke down like the love and the yeah. scientists. Green Day got a good coffee as well. I haven't gotten much the of it. Band? Yeah, the band? Green Day? band Green Day. Yep. Wow. Yep. I think it's roasted out of Oakland. Dude, so last story. My, my wife went to Italy. She was at a friend's house. They made this amazing dinner, all this pasta. And then everybody was eating it. And my wife took out a knife, started cutting, and they stopped and started screaming. Said, you can't cut the pasta. No. You can't cut the pasta. No. It's like it's disrespectful. No, very. That's the same shit as your coffee. Same as eating pizza with a fork and a knife. What you got to do when you eat pasta spaghetti, especially you got a spoon or a piece of bread and you poke the spaghetti and you twist the fork till it curls up into a nice ball and then you eat it. No, you don't cut the pasta. Damn. Even basil, if you ever cut basil, you don't like just break it apart. You don't yeah. chop it unless it calls for it. Anyway, we can get into a whole no, food I thing really, as well. This has been awesome. <laughs> can we expect any new nonfiction or our show? Never say never. It was supposed to happen this weekend. Yeah, it was supposed it to happen, happen this weekend. On. Some things came up with the guys at the Back to Basics Festival are talking about bringing us back in the fall. Yeah. And then uh, we are scheduled to do a European thing because Europe and, and, and Australia and South America has been our biggest audience. You yeah. know, the States too, but mostly overseas. Um, probably in the fall as well. So uh, yeah, we'll see awesome. what happens. I have to just work that out with, with work because I have responsibility. You know yeah. what I mean? And I have You're like a, a grown to, adult with a grown wife adult, and two kids exactly. and a... But it's man. yeah, but it'll work out. We'll work. It's out. It's great to have you here and finally Thanks, talk to man. you. Thanks, man. You too, up. Toby. I, I love our. I love that we stayed in touch with this. And then also, I came to your school in 2012. Twelve. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Spoke yeah. at your school. I really appreciate you having. That was you so were fun. awesome. And the, and the students still talk about. It. I mean, they're grown now. Those students, believe it or not, they're Crazy. like. But they come back and I'll see them. And the teacher who was there at the time still talks about it. My really? sister-in-law. You went to speak oh, at my sister-in-law's right. school. Absolutely. I they were super you inspiring. Me and like taking the chance and believing in me and all. Yeah, that. Yeah, man. I remember we met at was it M Cafe to talk about some of the ideas. Is about speaking with young people and yeah, before I started stuff. doing it, yeah, 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 yeah that was at uh Encinal High School and Encinal Chipman. Chipman Middle School. Now it's called the Academy of Alameda, yeah, yeah, Chipman. but that was so cool to come out there. I think Millhouse came with me, that was super fun, yeah, yeah, you rocked it, man. It was Thank super you. inspiring. I mean, you were exactly who you are and spoke your truth, and that's that young people can read between the lines, they read the bullshit and they felt it from you. It was like it wasn't bullshit, it was real. Thank you, man. I can't wait to do it again. Lots, lots Remember they all put then. X's on the hands? Yeah, dude. They were like, I want to be straight edge. I'm dude. straight edge. <laughs> they, it was awesome, yeah, though. it was great. I miss doing that in the pandemic, obviously, but people still hit me up about it. Like, yeah. I want to get back to it sometime. Yeah. When kids get back to school, so much virtual, back and forth in school, who knows, but yeah. yeah. We I should really, have I, a, a non-reunion soon, too. 
Shout out to Yolanda Ross. Shout out to Yolanda Ross. Killing it on the chai. So proud of you. Love that show. Love you. She's been on the pod already. Just watching her journey. Yeah. It's been incredible. I love man. hearing her stories about Daryl Hall and John Oates. Yo, how much you love them. I mean, she was obsessed with them. I love them. I love them as well. If I and, knew about Yolanda, I was like, what? And guess what happened since the podcast? She was in town. They were playing. I got his tickets. Oh, you got to be Moon, kidding me. Derek and Yolanda went and saw. Oh, we kidding? had like a, a, a Rose Bowl section. We got to see them. Oh, it my was God. amazing. Karina and I dude. saw them at uh, San Francisco at uh, Outside Lands. And it was like on a bucket list. And we were fortunate to get backstage passes because we saw Chromio. And you got to meet them? them? No, 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 no. Dude. But we got to enjoy the show. It was, it was an incredible, incredible show. His voice sounds good. Woo. It was like. It was yeah. cool to be there with Yolanda and Derek because we just talked about her obsession I with them. I can't believe that that happened afterwards. But There's just seeing no her on the show, shaving her, her head, just everything she's going through on the show. You know, and Yolanda, God. you know, when you think about, you know, and shout outs to Danny Diablo, Isaac. He was working at Nana Forest Road when he was doing Crown of Thorns. Right, dude. Think dude. about what came out, what came out of that store, right? Yeah. And, and Danica and Christine and everyone for believing in That's artists. Isaac worked there with us. He oh did. God, yeah, yeah, dude. yeah. It's crazy, right? It was like Yolanda, who's now on the shy, UH2O, me nonfiction, like, you know, Isaac Crown of Thorns, and everyone else who went off to do, to do amazing stuff. And Sam, remember Sam? Um, drummer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he worked at Nana. Wait, Sammy Siegler? Yeah. What? He worked at Nana. Yeah, dude. Wow, he's playing with Seven Seconds right that's now. That's right, that's he's right. Judge, Shelter, Youth of yeah. Today. Why well, didn't even realize Sammy worked there, dude, bro? Yeah, man, yeah. Wow! Lots yeah. of artists. Yeah, it's cool. We're still in contact with each other. Thanks to social media and everything else too. Like yeah. watching each other, what everybody's up to. And yep, well, I appreciate awesome, you, man. Toby. I, you know, I got so much love for you, and Ditto, you know, man. I love periodically. I receive a package at my house, and what is this? And yes. it's like some random gift. That I'm like, oh, Toby looked out. It's like Christmas. <laughs> it's like oh. no, I remember, and I remember the pandemic. Like, yo, I'm not going to be able to get your guests for like uh, your gift for like um, a day or two. We're gonna let it outside. That was in the bro. The deep was, in the pandemic, bro. I was like, I'm not touching any packages. Spraying it's that out shit down. Yeah, I'm like, nope, it's going to stay in the shed. That I'm not like touching it. Years ago, it was yeah. so gnarly. It was like, sorry, bro, I've got the package. It's yep. outside, airing out. Yep, yep, crazy. And then wow. I, I avoided it and ended up getting it in March. And I'm like, oh, this year. It's like, oh, you're all dang. good now. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But still, that was crazy during yeah. that time. Yeah, it was crazy. Woo! Oh, man, nuts. I loved you, bro. Thanks, Thanks for being Toby. Here. I People can it, find man. you online. What can they find? Anything you're up to? You know, you, if you want to, I guess if anything, I'm the most active. It's going to be Instagram. Yeah, the I mean, most he's not going to be smart. He's not going to check his DMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, definitely, not, but uh, it's all good. But it's John Sabak Red Fuentes. People are like that's so long, but J O H N S A B A C R E D Fuentes F U E N T E S. Yeah, the nonfiction music's everywhere online. Yep, yep. So is Sabak. I mean, Sabak stuff will be more readily available, but you can YouTube and whatever. Yeah, man. Yeah, bro. Thanks cool. for being here. This oh, I appreciate awesome, it. Man. Thanks. I'm so sorry, I conked out for a second. Oh, no worries. That was know. so weird. Tim House, thanks for being here too, Tim yes, House. Yes, sir. But yeah, yo, you got me hyped on coffee now. I might think about maybe, you know, investing in something, maybe doing it right. If you want, you know, I'll do a tutorial for you. I did it with a couple of friends of mine. I get on Facetime or we we'll get on Zoom and I'll show you how to do maybe it. Maybe that's something you should put online. I should. I you know. I probably should. It's do a great tutorial about yeah, yeah, coffee. Sure. I should. I should. Because the way you broke it down was like really like. Fuck, yeah. this is like and a lot of people do it, but they do it at coffee shops and they charge you seven, eight dollars a cup of coffee. And I do it like straight up. What about working out? You work out too? A little bit. We got the bench in the garage. I work the out with my son. He's into he's into working out a little bit now. Ride our bikes a lot. Yeah, yeah I see so, that. Yeah. All right, well, awesome, bro. Yeah, man. Thank you, Toby. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Shout out to Moon and Max. Here. It's yes. good to be back in the crib. Dude. It's been a while. I'm psyched to see you perform too, man. This Thanks, week. Man. I'm not gonna say the date because one of this airs, but yeah, it's yeah, gonna be cool, sure. man. Yeah, man. Thanks, brother. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. 
I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swiped the credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo off in one sitting. You have to be patient. And it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to Removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo removal companies in the world. Over 600,000 removal treatments done. 100 locations, U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology. Cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TOBYH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out. Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam.